Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Shot score! Walker has two. Proof. Slap shot. They score! They score! And Walker deflects the puck in. He comes up from Springfield. And if you've got a hat, chuck it at your radio. Nathan Walker with his first ever hat trick in the National Hockey League. As far as I know, I'm not quite sure if there's a there's a term for it. I think it's just hattie or hat trick. The Aussie, Nathan Walker, with a hat trick last night. We all saw that coming. December 9th, we figured, oh, yeah, Charlie Lindgren will backstop the Blues to a victory, and Nathan Walker will score a hat trick. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Carriker Smallman and Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. It's 7.02. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler, Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Carriker, and our St. Louis Blues, six in a row on home ice. Unbelievable. Isn't this why we love sports? Is that whenever you think something is going to happen, when you look at the state of the Blues and they have no business winning the past two games. It's guys like Charlie Lindgren and Nathan Walker that step up when opportunity knocks. This is exactly why I love sports. They've had Neil out, Costin out, Perron out, Bozak, Bennington, Falk, Thomas, Huso, Wallman. And they go 4-1-2 and two in that time frame. But those guys out at some point in time. That's it's a credit to them, and it's a credit to the guys that stepped up last night. And win back-to-back games with 17 skaters and... Hopefully tomorrow night, nothing untoward happened last night or will happen today in practice that will prevent the Blues from actually playing a full roster against Montreal. <laughs> I don't know, guys. Are we thinking maybe they should just keep stick with 17? It's working. Don't, don't cost as much. Yeah. And you're worried about the cost, aren't you? Really? Well, it's a cap situation. Oh, Dan. I got you. I'm, I'm, I'm worried about the cap. Lindgren played well last night, by the way, Chuck, too. Yeah. How about that? Unbelievable. You got Charlie Lindgren and John Gillies as your goalies. Who saw that coming? Or Walker getting a hat trick, like you yes. said. I wonder how a I guy mean, in Australia got interested in hockey enough to become an NHL player. I was thinking the same thing last night. I don't know. You are think there rinks r- in rugby? Australia? I don't know. I mean, you got to. Are there? Maybe they play roller hockey. I mean, it's warm a lot there. Yeah, could be. So maybe play that. Does he? Uh, that'd be interesting to find out. Like. They even have hockey rinks, ice rinks. Yeah. You gotta have skating rinks, right? He's in the NHL. They must. So, <laughs> I would think. But how does a guy from Australia wind up here scoring a hat trick in St. Louis on a Thursday night when you can't get over the uh, cap and you're <laughs> you're short players? Life is weird. Pretty it cool. is. Here's the head coach of the Blues, Craig Berube. Yeah, you know, very happy for him. He's a hardworking guy. Really good teammate. You know, really happy for him. Happy for. Uh, Lindgren too. He played, a, you know, did his job. Team played well though, which is good. Yeah, I think we were pretty solid all game. Charlie Lindgren turning aside 29 of 31 Detroit shots, and Detroit's not a bad team, even though they were terrible last year. They were one of the worst teams in the league. Steve Eiserman's done a really good job with them, and at the moment, the Red Wings, who had to escape the West, are 13, 11, and three for 29 points. Your Blues have 32 now. They're alone in second in the Central, seven point, but points behind Minnesota. And tomorrow, of course, Hockey Night in Canada. 
with Le Habitant in town. And the, let me check the league scan standings. The Canadians last year were in the Stanley Cup Finals. This year, they have the second worst record in the league. Only Arizona has fewer points than Montreal does. Cost Mark Bergevin his, yep. uh, his job, too, with Montreal. Yeah, I was looking at that last night. Seventh in the Atlantic Division. I couldn't believe that based on what we saw from them last year. You know what, though? I think... It's kind of like when the Miami Marlins go to uh, the playoffs in the COVID year. Oh, I think everything was just kind of flipped upside down to where you might have one of these teams that you just don't expect to to do much. And because it's just a weird year, you know, they go on a run or they somehow get in like Miami did or like Montreal last year. And then Montreal made a great run in the, uh, the playoffs and made it fun, made it to the Stanley Cup final. But... I mean, they don't compare to some of the teams that we've no. already seen this year. Last night at U.S. Bank Stadium in Minnesota, Kirk Cousins only goes 14 of 31 for a 216 and a couple of touchdowns. Take that. You like that? Like that. You like that? But Dalvin Cook, 27 for 205 on the ground, coming off the bad shoulder, by the way. He scored a couple of touchdowns. Minnesota was ahead 29 to nothing yeah. in this game. They held on for a 36-28 win over the reeling Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers don't fall behind 29-0 in games. They do not, and obviously they made a game out of it. But it's gonna. I just am looking at the Steelers and thinking, what is life going to be like for them next season? What are they going to do? Because clearly Big Ben does not have it anymore. He's told, allegedly, mm-hmm. people privately that he's done. But you're looking at an interesting landscape in the NFL where a lot of quarterbacks who have been staples for a very long time could be moving. Aaron Rodgers could be on the move. Russell Wilson could be on the move. No Big Ben. It's going to be really weird to see what the, the NFL looks like from a quarterback, a veteran quarterback standpoint next year. I flipped over to that game and I wondered if this was it for Mike Tomlin. Like, he'll say goodbye after this year too. Because Big Ben is leaving. It's a transition year maybe mm-hmm. for the Steelers and maybe he wants to get out. I mean, He's been there a long time. Long, long time. I remember doing an uh, NFL game when he was the defensive coordinator for the Vikings. Yep. And we had a private meeting with him. He is an impressive, I mean, impressive yeah. guy. And uh, everybody knew he was going to be a head coach, and he had done wonders with that defense and then wins with the Steelers. But the nucleus was there. You still had Big Ben in his prime, and he still had some playmakers, and now they don't. So I, I was just wondering, I, I, I turned it over right when you the, the score was at lopsided, and I thought, man, that's not like this team. I think they do have enough other guys it's the offensive line and the quarterback yeah and you'll get juju smith schuster back next year and add him to deontay johnson who's had a really good year you got a really good t- young tight end in Freermuth. you've got a really good running back in Najee harris defensively even though the numbers don't show it you're down cornerbacks you need to get joe hayden back and, and playing well but minka fitzpatrick is a stud devin bush is a stud cam hayward is still a stud I think they have enough good players. That is the quintessential example of the team that is a quarterback away, and they need. Their, they they thought their offensive linemen were going to improve during the course of the season, and they haven't. So they need to get a center, and they need to get a left tackle. Nothing to it. So we yeah, right <laughs> center, left tackle, quarterback. We're good. Oh, that all? Okay, great. <laughs> we were talking off the air. Randy loves the Redskins for various reasons. When the Gridbirds were here, I love the Cardinals. That was my um, team. And the Cardinals were my team, and then the Steelers were my team. I love the Steelers, so I always kind of have an eye on the Steelers. But I started thinking about Tomlin again. I want to go back to this. I want to ask you guys this question: If you're, if you're Mike Tomlin, and I, and really any coach, but especially a guy like Mike Tomlin, in my opinion, and I think he would transfer to the college game. But when you see Lincoln Riley getting, you know, what he's gotten, and and uh, 
Davey goes or whatever his name is. I can't. The Notre Dame coach. Uh, Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Good job, yeah. Thinking Davey. That was like, yeah. you know, 25 I years for, ago. I forgot about him. Bob Davey. Um, so he goes there. He gets $95 million. I mean, these guys, the, the marketplace for now, a coach, is so J- John Gruden got, what, 10 years and $100 million. Mm-hmm. These college coaches now are getting that. And it's going to be guaranteed. And so if you're Mike Tomlin and and it's you say, hey, I, I'm looking for a different challenge or any coach, your landscape has completely changed now mm-hmm. because colleges would say, hey, man, we got a chance to get Mike Tomlin. I mean, look at this resume that this guy has got. And I understand it, it really does come down to recruiting. And can a college or a, a pro coach get into the college game and recruit and get the right people? They all know each other. I, I don't know, man. I mean, your your landscape is opened up to the point where if you want something different and you're still worried about getting paid at that level, now you can. You can go college and go get your 10-year deal and make $100 million. Can I give you guys an early take it or leave it? Yeah. The Chicago Bears should give Mike Tomlin whatever he wants. Oh, I'll take that. Yeah. He would be a Wouldn't perfect he be fit. perfect in yeah. Chicago? The yeah. town would love him. Yeah. He'd be great. Now, to your point, Dan, think about an NFL coach every year... Every player is on a one-year contract is and is an unrestricted free exactly. agent after the season. Think about that, because that's what college coaches have now. Every single player is on a one-year that's contract, right. and they're a free agent after the year. Mm-hmm. You never know who your team is going to be. I wonder if coaches, if we could sit them down and ask them to be honest, and I think some would be, any coach, but I'm going to say college basketball for sure that you have your 10 to 15 players. So your 10 is kind of your core and you got some walk-ons and you got guys that know they're not going to play, but they're there with a scholarship and maybe develop. If they feel like they have had to change how they coach. So I've got Randy on the team. I love Randy, but man, I got to, I got to get after Randy because sometimes Randy likes to take some plays off and Randy takes a week off and doesn't get after it in the classroom and I mean, I am up his butt. I'm sitting there screaming at him, boy, you, you, blah, blah, you know, but I'm doing it because I think it's the best for him to get after him. Well, Randy says, I've had enough. I've had enough. You know, Dan, you're, you're just a little too mm-hmm. hard on me. And, you know, I got all these other coaches that love me. I'm gone. So I wonder if coaches have had to be, I don't know if softer is the right word, but their approach has delicate. had. Yes, you, delicate. Here's the thing. You never stop recruiting. You yes, have to recruit, you're re-recruiting your kids. You, have to, you recruit your own players every day. Yes. And I, I just, I don't think that's good. I, I really, I, I don't, I love the, the fact that, hey, if coaches can leave, then the, the kids should be able to leave too. I, I do believe that. But if a coach stays and recruits you and, and you've been there in the program, I don't know, man. There's got to be some loyalty on both sides, but coaches haven't been loyal to the kids, so open it up. But that is an interesting point because while these student athletes are certainly employees in a lot of ways because they're generating generating a lot of money for an institution and a lot of people are getting paid on the backs of their works, they are still young adults that are malleable Mm -hmm. and that are looking for coaches and teachers and people around them to shape them into the people that they're going to be and you want them to have some semblance of power and in a construct in which they have a big portion of you know of the success there but also they should have to answer to coaches and if coaches are trying to do things that are going to benefit them as players and people it is very easy for them now that they have so much power to say i'm not dealing with that you know what's happened to with the transfer portal that no one wants to talk about kind of the the ugly side of this is that you have a lot of kids 
that uh, say, I'm out of this program. Okay, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going somewhere else. They've got mom, dad, aunt, uncle, brothers, friends, whatever, saying, hey, you're a better player mm-hmm. than, than this guy thinks you are. You need to go in the transfer portal, and you need to go. There are so many kids now. Now, remember, when you get that scholarship, for the most part, 99% of the time, universities are going to stay with the kid. If he wants to stay there and never play a minute but still gets his degree in education, he gets that. Okay, so you get the scholarship. But a lot of these kids think, okay, I'm wanted somewhere else. And they go in the transfer portal. And I'm not talking about the kid like you guys visited with, the kid from Cardinal Ritter yesterday. He goes from Ohio State to Alabama. That is not everybody's case. So they go in the transfer portal, and they find out, you know what? Oh, my goodness. Um, Everybody else thinks I can't play, too. And then you're on the outside looking in with nothing. It's it's kind of delicate, and no one wants to talk about that side of the transfer and portal. Those guys, they they need buddies. They need if you're building a super team, somebody's got to be the uh, DeAndre Jordan to go with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, so that he he's kind of on their coattails because that's the way it's working now. Is that all the kids are at camps? They know each other, so they want to go together right. as super teams. Uh, one of the reasons that Mel Tucker was able to succeed at Michigan State, he had 20 transfers this year. And he's got groups of kids coming in together and playing together, and it works. Yeah. I, I Here's the other thing, by the way, with the additional COVID year and with some yeah. kids having a red shirt year, every record that you think is never going to be broken is going to get broken. Right. For instance, Gibson Jimerson at SLU, if he stays— Big time Gibby Jim. If he stays the whole time, that's six years— he is going to shatter every scoring record in SLU yeah, history. Right. It's going to happen. It's going to rewrite the record books for a lot of these uh, universities. Speaking of big game Gibby Jim, the Billikens will host Boston College tomorrow. That game is at 4 o'clock. Do you have that game? We do not. No. Okay. Uh, so BC at SLU. Tomorrow is a wild day locally in college basketball. Mizzou is at Kansas. That oh will be fun. That's at 2.15, and that's on ESPN. And also tomorrow, you've got Arizona Visiting the Fighting Illini, number 11 Arizona at the Illini. That's going to be a good game, and uh, I have very fond memories of past Illinois-Arizona matchups. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That was I've, the I've, Elite Eight, correct? Yeah. 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 I've told that story before. I was working at 550 at the time, and was it double overtime or just single overtime? I can't remember. I think it was double overtime. Yeah. And Bruce Weber always lost his voice, and especially always. in a I double overtime Bruce. game. So I had him set up to call in on Sunday morning. I was I just wrote it off. I said, no, after that game, really late game, he's not calling in. But he did right on time. He's what a the ni- best. He's a really nice man, Bruce Weber, now at K-State. By the way, do, do you guys see a line for Mizzou KU at all? I have not seen one, but I can't imagine that it's that pleasant. Let me take a look here. I got to wonder if Bill Self is going to run it up on Konzo. It's Mizzou KU. The border war is back. Uh, or if he uh, takes it easy on the Tigers. He's and not I, taking I, it easy on the Tigers. Not because I, I wouldn't his think, fans won't. I, I wouldn't think, Randy, but there is a there's a mutual respect between certain aspects of this rivalry. Not a lot. Hell, you know, when, uh, <laughs> when uh, Norm Stewart was playing at KU, he'd mm-hmm. go to Lawrence. He would not stay in the municipality of Lawrence. Right, yeah, they would go over on game day, right? Yeah. He wouldn't have a hotel room there. He wouldn't get food from there. He would not put one dime of Missouri money into KU. 
I love that. It's awesome. That's amazing. It is. Pretty fun. He was very serious about that, too. All right, we're off and running here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. Peak and Pit coming your way on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Up into the peaks or into the pit. Peaks and pits. Join in on the conversation with Character and Smallman now. Text 65780. This is 101 ESPN. Time for your peak and your pit of the week on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, Randy, your text 65780 brought to you, brought to us by the one and only Andrew Marsh, who's headed to Nichefield today. Got a bachelor party. Drive oh safely in the fog, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be something this weekend, that's for sure. Yeah, and uh, when you when you run into somebody on Broadway, just say, "Hey, I like Nichefield." Do give us a Brian Kelly. We develop the accent in a matter of hours. Okay, nice I can field. do that. Yeah, I like to do that. I have my I have a cowboy hat too. Maybe oh. I'll just throw oh, that on and good nice. play. Oh yeah, and then bring a guitar. Nashville is an awesome town. Have you guys ever been to the arena to go see a hockey game there? Yeah. yeah. And then right around there is the the bars and the restaurants and all the live music. It's a great it's cool. time. Yeah, a lot of fun. I was kind of hoping that Mizzou would play in the Music City Bowl because one time we were there for a Blues game. I guess right around New Year's, because it was the Music City Bowl. It was Notre Dame and LSU during the day, and then Blues and Predators at night. So that was uh, they can make you a pretty fun day there. Oh yeah, in Nichefield. Yeah. Uh, pack your cowboy hat and your electrolytes. You're gonna need them. Oh yeah. You think Andrew's gonna be back on Monday? No. <laughs> pretty I, quick. No. I think he'll be back, but he might be banged up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He can handle a, it though. He's young. I have an upper body injury. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very, very top of the body. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he's day to day. All right, uh, guys, my peak of the week is the Blues winning games with only 17 skaters. I didn't see it coming. So that's my peak of the week. And my pit of the week is that Brian Dayball, who's a good offensive coordinator, couldn't figure out what the brilliant Josh McDaniels figured out is that you run the ball when the wind is going 40 miles an hour. I don't think anybody else, though, would have had the cachet to, to pull that off. So if you Farrell lose Shelton, it, Farrell it, Shelton, old Eureka coach would have. Well, if you, well, that's true. But I'm talking about the pro Woody game. Hayes, okay. So well, the pro game at this day and age, when you got to throw the ball and they ran it three times in an NFL game, I don't think anybody saw that coming. And if they lost that game, people go, well, that was still genius by Bill Belichick. If you're a rookie coach, you go, that guy's an idiot. Jeff Fisher would have tried it, except he would have tried it in a dome. For sure. To just That's true. Just, just throw the ball three times. And, and they're trying would, to tank. And then he would have tried it six weeks in a row. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm with you, Randy. My peak is the way the Blues have been playing, but specifically Nathan Walker last night. What an unbelievable story. Really happy for him. And Nadub. It was... Na- Did we just get a Nadub out Na- of here? Nadub, yep. That's his nickname now. I just gave it to him. I developed it in two seconds. Not the Aussie. Nadub. Nadub, yep. Dan, what do we think? Uh, is I'm that out my, on that. Is that my new pit? Is that Randy tries is trying to get yeah. Nathan Walker Nadub? Everybody yeah. that's a got a W I'm with you. Everybody whose name last name starts with a W is dub. So, hmm. and then you just got to come up with a first name for him. Well, we'll need to ask Joey because I'm sure Walker has a nickname, Waxy or something. Yeah, he's got to have Waxy. Waxy. Aussie. Nadub. <laughs> Not Nadub. Anything but Nadub. <laughs> it's like Marp. But you know what? Marp, eventually, we just did it enough to where it, it became it a thing. It became a thing, It yeah. became a thing. And my pit is baseball. Still no movement on the baseball front until baseball 
gets going and the talks intensify, it's going to be a pit for me. Okay, so my uh, peak was going to the uh, hockey game this week with my son sitting three rows off the ice and watching the Blues beat Florida uh, in OT. Fun game, fun atmosphere. Shocked that they won after being outshot 20-5, to but they came back and won. My pit is slew. Basketball, they've dropped two in a row. UAB being one, Belmont being the other. Randy mentioned they got uh, Boston College tomorrow, but got to win those games because the A-10 has not had a great non-conference. So when you start looking at resumes, um, you need the big non-conference wins. So pulling for those Billikins to get it back on track. There you go. All right. Your text, 65780. That's the Air Comfort Service text line. Andrew, what do you got? Uh, From the 636, Peak, my boss gave me a ticket for next week's Blues game against Dallas. Pitt, I have to go to the game with my boss. Oh. Yeah, your boss, I guess you don't like your boss. I I could definitely go to a game with my boss. Oh, me too. But here's here's the thing. You need to look at this as a positive. You're going to the Blues game, and this is great one-on-one time with your boss. So that you could really connect with your boss and get to know that person. And he likes you enough to give you the ticket and want to go with you. Correct. These are all positive signs. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're there with the boss, I think then if they're taking you, you say, okay, that would have been a 80, 100 bucks, whatever, 60 bucks. That's a few beers for the boss. And then you, you butter them up. You're the designated driver. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. But you butter them up and you, you get what you need. Yes. Hey, and have then- you thought about this? That's a great idea. Okay. And then the next uh, day you go, hey, remember? And then the next day when your boss it has an upper body injury. You bring your boss coffee and you say, great times last night, Rick. Bought you a latte. Agreed. Exactly. All right. From the 636. Bless you. Peak. Excuse me. <laughs> uh, so this texter, his peak or her peak, won the office Christmas raffle. Pitt, one of those two prizes is a gift card to a restaurant they strongly dislike. Not one of the gift cards that was in the the trash bag from a couple days earlier. Regifting. You can always regift a card that from something that you don't like. It has happened. That's true. Good point. So, trade it out. Yep. Maybe get another uh, gift card yep. and say, "Hey, I I'm not really a Mexican person in terms of Mexican food. I, I don't like it. You got the Chinese. I love Chinese. So let let's do a little switch here." By the way, Dan, Michelle. Right now, through Monday, five times rewards points when you buy a gift card at Schnooks. That's right. So if you wow. if you're buying somebody a gift Hot card, tip. yeah, go to Schnooks this weekend and pick up that gift card, and you get five times rewards. Mm-hmm. Uh, not a pit or a peak here, but this is about the Isn't that the segment. Well, yes, Dan. <laughs> but okay. this is about Nathan Walker's nickname. We have one from the six one eight, the Saucy Aussie. Ooh, love that, the Saucy Aussie. I like the 618, Crocodile Dub D. That's for you, Randy. They put it specifically for you. Good, I like that. Thank you, Andrew Marsh. Absolutely. And thanks for your text to the Air Comfort Service text line, 65780. Next up, we're going to talk some golf with Jay Delsing, his show coming up Sunday morning. And uh, we're going to find out about Tiger playing this weekend next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.
One week from tomorrow, Tiger Woods returns to the golf course on TV. He's going to play with his 12-year-old son, Charlie, in the PNC Championship. We're going to talk about that and more with our friend Jay Delsing, former PGA Tour member. Of course, you saw him playing at the Ascension Charity Classic and Ascension Charity Classic tickets for next fall go on sale today. So we want to touch on that as well. Good morning, Mr. Delsing. How are you? Doing great. Randy, Michelle. Danny Mac, how are you guys doing? Good. Doing well. Are you surprised at all that after the February car accident, which Tiger admits it could have cost him a leg, a 50-50 chance of that leg having to be amputated, you surprised that he's going to be back on the course next weekend? <laughs> you know, I, I've listened to his article or his uh, interview a couple of times, and I'm not I, – I just don't know what to believe. I, I'm delighted that he's playing. Let's just put it that way. But I, I'm really – I really don't know what's going on. I'm, I'm excited that he's going to get to play, though. And, Jay, it seems like this is more about him spending the time with his son and being a dad than it is his big return to golf, which I think is really cool. Oh, 100%, Michelle. I mean, what a – gosh, could you imagine if something would have happened to that leg and he – you know, what a great career he had uh, as a professional golfer. But what about his his dad's son – even daughter relationship in the game and, and, and how that would have been affected. And so I think it's really cool. I think Tiger tries to let us in a little bit, um, but everything is so guarded, you guys, and I need a decoder ring with half the stuff that he says. I'm not really sure what's going on, but I, I'm glad he's he's playing, he's swinging. He doesn't have a lot of speed for, for Tiger, but it's, you know, someone said to me the other day, you know, what do you think of a swing? I'm like, really? I mean, I'd love to have that swing. <laughs> hey, hey, Jay, do you think, um, and we were talking about this yesterday, will he be allowed to take a cart, or do you think he's going to try to prove to everybody, hey, look, I've, I've rehabbed, I'm back, I'm walking around, and uh, you better get ready because I'm coming back on tour? You know, he is going to be able to take a cart if he wants, and I think you're going to see a little bit of everything. I think he's go. there's a lot uh, to unpack here, guys, because – um, he's going to be playing with Charlie, and Charlie is a, a character and loves to, to needle. Some of the guys come over to uh, to Tiger's house, and Charlie comes in. I think he and JT were sitting around, and they were talking. and uh, And um, and Charlie said to JT, well, "How many uh, how many PGAs you got?" He goes, "I got one." And he he said he said Charlie looked back behind the counter. He goes, "I see four back there." And JT <laughs> says, "Yeah, they're your dad's. They're not yours, you know." So I think that's I think that's a great uh, thing that he's playing with his son. But he's also going to be out testing that leg, you guys. I, you know, a, a guy as competitive as Tiger, he's one win away from breaking the all-time record on the PGA Tour. That's a thing. And I think I, I, every time I've counted him out, he's just you know shoved it in my face so i i I just hope it it all goes well and and uh he gets back to competing hey jay um pull back the curtain a little bit and and you've been at tour events obviously competing against tiger um and this was earlier in his career was he a guy that would mingle with you um would he mingle with the other players or has he always been this closed off and obviously when when everything went down uh on that thanksgiving his life changed, PGA Tour life changed, um, and it seemed like he got way more guarded. Always seems a little guarded, though, in interviews. Was he always like that, though, behind the scenes, cameras off um, with his fellow tour players? Yeah, Danny, he was. I mean, he came out on tour, and no one really no one really expected uh, what to happen, what did happen. He had played a bunch of tournaments 
LA Open specifically, and I can remember meeting him when he was 15, and he, you know, was this uh, obviously a great player, but missed the cuts every time he tried to play as an amateur. And you got to remember, guys, Phil Mickelson comes down as a junior in college and whips our asses down at the at the Tucson Open, and wins, you know, goes down with a couple of college buddies, wins the tournament, and you know, drives back. It's like a frat house, you know, when he beat everybody, and so. Phil's resume was a little more impressive in terms of what he what he might do on tour as a really young guy. But Tiger was always secretive, and Tiger was always. Um, gosh, I can remember standing next to him at um, we were playing at the Scottish Open, and um, he just doesn't really re- interact well with people. You know, it's almost like he's kind of a little socially awkward. I know that's kind of hard to imagine for a guy with that kind of. Uh, robustness that plays on the golf course and all the all the drama that he brings. But he said to me, I said, how you doing, man? What's going on? And, and I was having a good tournament. I was in like 12th place. And he goes, oh, man, I'm just tired of playing like, you know, and, I, and, and I'm like, yeah, you're not playing well. He goes, nah, you know, it's, you know, it's a hard game. And I just said, yeah, hang in there. You know, this is what an idiot I am. Yeah, just hang in there. I look, I look back. He's one shot ahead of me <laughs> in like ninth place. And, 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 um, uh, and, and it was always kind of odd, though, uh, guys. I can tell you, um, he, he sometimes he spent time. He, sometimes he would change his shoes in the locker room. Other times it'd be from the car to the driving range, and right out, uh, you know, right out to play. And then he'd be whisked away from from the rest of us, from you know, um, either the security or something, and nobody saw him. You I, know, I, and. Um, Jay, I did hear that uh, his personality shined once he got to Perkins Pancake House. <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. Yeah, at don't all. Well, just Jay, leave it go. Shocked me when I read about that, and I'm like, Perkins. Wow. I mean, I could see maybe Waffle House, but Perkins. Come on. Jay, are are a lot of golfers more on that kind of isolated side or are they more social? The way you talk about it, I'm, I'm look, looking at a lot of these young golfers and it's got to be very difficult if you're really good at golf at a young age and you're practicing all the time. And yes, you're competing against other golfers, but a lot of it is competing against yourself and working out with yourself. I would imagine if you're identified as a really good golfer at a very young age, it's probably hard to be social. Well, you know what, Michelle, you're right. And that's a good point because a lot of the personality that makes you good at golf is guys that like to like sort their socks and iron their underwear, you know, and <laughs> half the time I played and I didn't even have socks on, you know, I'm like, I don't know. I was a, a misfit when it came to that, but there's a real camaraderie, especially in my generation in the locker room. There was a lot of fun and a, the best stories occur in there. And, you know, unfortunately you can't really share a lot of them, but, but they, we were, you know, we would actually finish guys and go to the bar. You know, we'd hit a few balls and then we didn't have a couple beers and then everybody would go home. I mean, that was more of our generation. Today, there's so many different layers. Like, I'm trying to call some of the younger players. Patrick Kepley's a UCLA guy. I've met him a couple times. Trying to get him on my show. And I can't get his cell phone from the tour anymore. I go to through his agent and his agent's agent and his agent's yoga instructor and all these other different levels of people. And, you know, they're just, it's just completely different. There's so much money involved. There's so many people involved with these guys, handlers, and, you know, you just don't show up like we used to. You guys, you, you, you actually 
drive yourself from the airport to your hotel. Now guys have like drivers and people that, you know, get them to and fro. It's, it's just a totally different ball game, but I got to tell you one story quickly, if you don't mind, when Tiger came back in the 2019 masters, you know, he had had this great tournament at Bell Reef and really it was kind of a, a warning shot over the bow of the PGA tour to let all the players know, Hey, I'm back. And guys, I'm standing on the range in Augusta on Sunday and Tiger goes to the left side of the range and he grabs a bucket of balls and everybody knows he's there. And he takes this long, slow stroll behind every one of the players all the way down to the far right side of the range, stops for about a minute and then walks back to where Joe LaCava was with his golf bag all the way down on the left side of the range. And I watched this happen and it unfolded in front of me. I'm like, I cannot. He just went and put it on every single guy that was there. He didn't say hello to anybody. He didn't say, hey, your swing looks good. He didn't say, what would you have for breakfast? He just walked back and let everybody know he was there. And it was pretty awesome. <laughs> That's great. Hey, Jay, today, if people are looking for a great golf gift, tickets for the Ascension Charity Classic for 2022 go on sale at ascensioncharityclassic.com. I was talking to some people last night at a holiday party who were telling me what a great time they had at the Ascension Charity Classic. And 2022 is going to be just as great. It really is, Randy. We we raised uh, right about eight hundred thousand dollars for the for the great charities up in North County: Ascension, Emerson, uh, Worldwide Technologies. Man, any the the who's who of of our corporate citizens in St. Louis have all showed up, and the second year is going to be even bigger and better. You're going to love the field. Hopefully, uh, we can get Mickelson to come in next year. But even if he doesn't, it, you're going to see great golf, and and Norwood's a great course, and. It's a, you know, golf has turned into this really cool social event. You guys are flying out there. There's, there's lots of beer. There's lots of fun stories to be told. You got to come out and check it out. And you can get tickets now at ascensioncharityclassic.com and get a great holiday gift. And the tournament, by the way, takes place uh, next September 5th through 11th at Norwood. Jay, it's always good to have you with us. Thanks. Have a great show on Sunday. By the way, who do you got on Sunday? We no guests this week, guys. We're giving our predictions, so whoever we bet you ever want to bet on, just take the opposite of the guys that we're predicting. <laughs> It'll be perfect for you. Those are some of the most fun shows. Thanks for your time. Okay, guys, have a great day. See you later. That is Jay Delsing on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text in for Take It or Leave It with Carriker Smallman and Danny Mack. We are right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Take it. Or leave it. Give us your feedback now by texting 65780. It's Take It or Leave It with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Powered by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. Time to take it or leave it on 101 ESPN. Michelle, Dan, Randy, your text 65780. Folks, we remember last year during the summer, Russell Wilson reportedly gave the Seahawks a list of four teams that he was willing to be traded to. That included the Cowboys, Bears, Saints, and Raiders. Now there's a new list reportedly out there that includes the Giants, Saints again, and Broncos. Take it or leave it because the Saints were on both lists Russell and Sierra are going to New Orleans. Um, I'll take that. 
I would imagine the Saints are intrigued, but I I would think that New York might, even though the state of the Giants might not be what he's looking for, this is more than just a football decision, I think, for he and his family. Yeah, if he's upset about the offensive line in Seattle, wait till he gets a load of what the Giants have up front. But the fact <laughs> that they would even be considered right. shows you that uh, this is uh, not uh, a strictly that, a football decision. No, this is a Sierra decision. Yes. I was just going to ask you, Randy, I mean, you being... Very much on the Instagram and... Uh, oh, totally. Yeah, and TikTok and various things. I think it's more of a business decision than it is worried about who's playing left tackle. Well, a football player that makes a business decision doesn't want to get hit. Well, that's a football player, but this you, you got a plus one here. That's her business decision. Mm-hmm. That's correct. She can move around, though. If she's in New Orleans, she can... They, they can afford private planes. I'm yeah, sure. but you go to New York, you're, you're, I mean, think about all the marketing you could do and the money that could be made, and she's in New York, and she's a mega superstar. Yeah, you go to New York. Here's the thing. You go to New York, Eli Manning gets a lot of advertising and endorsements because he won Super Bowls. You go well, there now, you, a Super Bowl. You, okay. don't, you don't see Daniel Jones doing many commercials. You know who I saw doing a ton was Odell. That's true. He had that one catch. Yeah. And but, he was front row fashion shows on the cover of magazines. That had yeah. a lot to do with what team he was playing for and what market he was playing in. Yeah, but which player did the most and still does the most? Just saying. Uh, if you're a great player in Indianapolis, you can get tons and tons of endorsement deals. Yeah, but that was Peyton Manning, who was a Hall of Famer and as glib right. as anybody. If you're great and win, Eli, Eli had a ton of endorsements. Did Marshall Falk have a lot in Indy? Nobody did here. Did he? Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I, I think market matters, especially New yeah. York. Oh, well, yeah. Saquon Barkley wound up with some. But is Russell Wilson going to get a lot more than he has now because he's in New York? Do you think Eli would have gotten the same endorsement opportunities if he played for the Bengals? If he won a couple of Super Bowls, yeah. If you're an NFL player... If you're Drew Brees playing in the smallest market in the NFL, you're Aaron Rodgers playing Aaron Rodgers, smallest market NFL, right? Small, uh, I guess uh, Baker Mayfield's a good example because he hasn't won anything and he's in major commercials. Well, but where, and he's in Cleveland. But where is Progressive located? True. Good See, point. I think it, the NFL, though, is different because you're playing every Sunday on national TV. Right, exactly. So your market side, however, there are certain outliers, L.A., Chicago, New York, where your opportunities, I would imagine, would be much greater than even being the big fish in Green Bay, like uh, Brett Favre was, and also currently um, Aaron Rodgers. But you so, have to win. It, absolutely. You got to win, or you got to be just a dynamic dynamic player but more than just endorsements i think it's just straight visibility he's going to be at fashion events he's going to be snapped on the new york post he's going to be having paparazzi take pictures of both of them that's true it's it's a different lifestyle when you're, when you're in new york as opposed to seattle i just I, I wonder if because his complaint about seattle is that they aren't doing enough to help him win but I don't think that publicly he's going to say, my wife doesn't want to be here and she would prefer to be in a bigger market where she can get more exposure as a celebrity. We, we all know that. But, but I don't think that's he, what he's going to say publicly. So she's the boss. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Take it or leave it. Randy in the uh, 
final quarter century of his career. Because I, I got you going at least 25 more years. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> that ain't happened, but okay, thank but you, Dan. But in that final run, you will not be in radio or television, but you will be running a uh, gossip website made for St. Louis. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll totally take that, yeah. Gossip Boy? Yeah. Like yeah. XOXO call, Gossip Boy? Call it Randall's or something. Yeah. Well, I think that one might be taken. It'll be mean, Randall mean streets. hearing whispers at... Ted Drews. Yeah. Yeah. Sources, <laughs> sources at Ted Drews yeah. tell me. Right. The right. Mean, mean streets are talking. The mean mean streets. streets are talking. Are you going to take it or leave it? I'll take it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. But except now it wouldn't be anonymous. We would know who it is. We would know that it's Randy. Oh, no, yeah. Because I'll get it from anonymous sources. Oh, yeah, okay, it'll be it, like whispers it. and anonymous yeah. hearing on the street. Um, heard, <laughs> heard at Pietro's, you know. <laughs> exactly. Paul Mano says... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, figure out, you know, yeah. uh, those that from uh, an era past will remember Jerry Burger. Yes, I, I would be the the latter day Jerry Burger. Correct. I like that. <laughs> I'm gonna take it. I'm gonna invest in you too. He'd be great. He's gonna be like at Francis Park with a camera, you know, yep. like long lens, trying to get the people like walking no, hand in hand. Just do it and, on a cell phone oh, these days. Oh, by the way, my platform is scoopswithdannymac.com. Oh. We take you on. Those are the real scoops. Absolutely. We take you on. I was actually going to offer my website as a sponsor to you, but if you're going to just jump on board, we'll, we, we're open arms for you, baby. We'll take you. Now, here's a tip. If you want to get the real juice, you need to go to hair salons and you need to go to oh, nail salons right. because that's where everybody talks. Yeah. They do. I'm telling you, that shampoo station, you hear everything there. See, I've always felt that a haircut place. I know we got to go to the another yeah. one, and we got to take it or leave it here. But a haircut place, take it or leave it, is more. Or if you're a bartender, you're more of a therapist than you are a bartender and someone that delivers a haircut. Yeah, I'll oh, take that. Take that. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. yeah. All right, go right ahead. You did not do a take it or leave it. Um, I'll do one quickly. If the Rams, or should I say, when the Rams get bounced early from the playoffs, take it or leave it. Sean McVay is on the hot seat. Hmm, that's a good one. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it. I'm gonna leave it too. I'm going to leave it, too, but I wonder how long until that happens. Not saying it deserves to happen. I'd say the heat gets turned up next year. Because they're they're desperate to win, and they're going to have to blame someone. Yep. Let's get a couple of texts. Andrew, what do we have? Yeah, this one, very interesting. From the 314, take it or leave it, Chuck Norris would beat Bruce Lee in a one-on-one fight. Yeah, I'm going to take it. I'm going to leave that. I think Chuck Norris was just physically tougher thank you chuck norris no bruce lee was pretty he's impressive quicker and a better fighter but uh, it's not the size of the dog in the fight it's the size of the fight in the dog, the dog right but yeah. wasn't bruce lee more technically sound yes so then i'm going bruce lee i don't think he can knock uh not chuck out we'll see <laughs> we'll see all right, from the 618, take it or leave it. The Cardinals are waiting for the designated hitter before spending any more money. Well, they're waiting for the lockout to end. Well, yes. And yes, they, th- that's true. They will have to wait until there is a DH or no. That was kind of the interesting thing is uh, none of the rule changes were brought up at the negotiating table when in person, um, you know, about pitch clock, DH, that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I think all teams are just kind of waiting, and uh, we'll see what happens once it happens. I don't think the Cardinals are going to spend money on a DH. 
I think it's going to be Nolan Gorman. I think they're going to look at Juan Yepes. I don't believe they'll spend money on that particular position. I, I believe the way the Cardinals look at the DH is to have it be a rotating cast of characters, give Goldie a day off here and there, uh, get a guy like Newt Barr into left field and give a guy like uh, Tyler O'Neill an opportunity to DH. I don't think that we'll have just a DH in St. Louis. Here's the thing, too. Uh, Baseball America came out with their top 10 mm-hmm. prospects. It was Jordan Walker, who's not far away. He's only a teenager. Nolan Gorman could be here in uh, opening day. Matthew Libertor, Michael McGreevy, those are two pitchers. Avon Herrera was five. He's not far. We forget Avon Herrera is only like 21 years old. Right. Whatever. So you got Lars Newbar, who I think will be here. Josh Baez, who they just drafted. They love him. Uh, Mason Wynn, who probably goes to the mound. He throws middle to upper 90s, but is a two-way player. Mm -hmm. They've let him do that, but I think as he advances, he's probably a position or a pitcher. You got Juan Yepes, who is on the 40-man. And then Alec Burleson is another one. So Mm -hmm. to your point, um, there's a lot of young position players coming. So... One of the decisions they're going to have to make is, do you want to invest big money into Kyle Schwarber? And it could be, you know, mm-hmm. $15, 20000000 million a year. Or do you feel you're covered by mixing and matching um, with the players that you have? And it seemed like in talking with Ali Marmol, he kind of wanted to do that. You may see some different lineups, some uh, sabermetrically set lineups, as Ooh. opposed to just having the standard lineups that we have sent, uh, seen for many, many years and gotten accustomed to in baseball. Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome. And thanks for your texts. Coming up, the U.S. women's hockey team coming to St. Louis. They'll take on the Canadian women's hockey team. We're going to talk to Chris Roseman of the St. Louis Sports Commission about that and more next time on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's Carriker and Smallman's Fresh Take. Brought to you by Schnooks. Get the app that gets you. Download the Schnooks Rewards app today. With Michelle Smallman and Dan McLaughlin, I'm Randy Carricker. It is Carricker, Smallman, and Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. Next Wednesday and Friday, a very cool event coming to St. Louis. It's called the My Why Tour, and it's Team USA against Team Canada in women's hockey. The games are at the Centene Ice Center on Wednesday and Friday nights. And uh, with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line to talk about those games and that event is Chris Roseman. He is a vice president from the St. Louis Sports Commission and one of the people that really helps the, the sports wheel keep turning here in St. Louis. Chris, always good to talk to you. How are you doing? Good morning. How are you? Everything's terrific. And this is a cool event. I always enjoy watching women's hockey in the Olympics, and these are arguably the two best teams in the world. As they get ready for the Olympics, it'll be great to see them here in St. Louis. Yeah, you're looking at the gold and silver medal has come to town from 2018, from the 2018 Games. And in South Korea, it's a rematch. And, you know, the My Wai Tour has through St. Louis. Next week on Wednesday and Friday at Centene Community Ice Center, and you know it, that venue's only a couple of years old, but, but but what a beauty we have here in St. Louis to showcase, and you know we're lucky to have it, and we're lucky to have these two teams come through. Chris, I know these things are oftentimes years in the making. So, how did St. Louis become a stop on the My Why Tour? Well, you know it's relationships. So, you know the St. Louis Blues um, are just a, ter- a terrific. Uh, a partner and, and everything with hockey and, and, and beyond. And um, they were they were instrumental in helping St. Louis land these two these two events uh, for St. Louis. And 
And again, the the the, the eye center, this, uh, the Centene Community Eye Center, is you know it's it's a jewel. Uh, it's 3,000 seats. There's not a bad seat in the house. It's going to be a great atmosphere. Uh, the the reputation that uh, St. Louis holds for for hosting big time hockey events, whether it's the Winter Classic or the All Star Game, you know who who sells out the the alumni game on on the uh, Winter Classic on Saturday, but St. Louis at Bush Stadium. So you know it's the reputation that St. Louis has for hockey and. We can go all the way back to 2007 with the Frozen Four and the NCAA. So, you know, those kind of things um, allow St. Louis to, to continue getting events to St. Louis. So we're looking forward to, to packing Centene next Wednesday and Friday. Sports Commission is always bringing in uh, such great events, and uh, we always talk about, and understandably so, Blues, Cardinals, major college events. But you guys are bringing in just remarkable events. What else is the uh, Sports Commission looking at right now? Well, we're always looking at, you know, you know, we'd love to see NCAA events come to town. On the calendar right now is uh, 2024. We've got an NCAA Hockey Regional. We've got the Frozen Four returning in 2025 and NCAA Basketball in 26. Um, so we're, we're always, you know, looking to bring, bring in those, those major, major events. Always looking to welcome back wrestling. You know, St. Louis has hosted the NCAA Wrestling Championships and nine times since 2000, and love to have that one back as well. So anything, anything high profile, you know, the sports commission. We don't have, we don't do a, a lot of games. The 81 home games a year, like the Cardinals, or the 40, the 40 or so games the Blues do. But we, we try to, you know, try to enhance the St. Louis sports calendar however we can. A couple of St. Louis ties with this U.S. women's team. Alex Cavallini, who is the daughter-in-law of former Blue Paul Cavallini, and then Jincy Dunst from O'Fallon. So uh, the people that are watching these games next week here in St. Louis will have a little St. Louis flavor, too. Yeah, that's fun. And it? I mean, the Dunn family is incredible, incredible hockey heritage, and, and Jincy is, is on the team, and, you know, she's – you know, they really have two or three weeks left before they finalize the roster of the team, so it's great to see Jincy back in town and Alex Cavallini representing and Nicole Hensley of Lindenwood, too. She, she played uh, goalie for, um, for Lindenwood for years, and she's, she's on the roster as well right now. So, you know, those St. Louis connections are always great, and, you know, we all know that the, the, the boys' side or the men's side, in this case, with the Kajuks mm-hmm. and, and company and Mr. Brown and, and those folks, but, you know, it's great to see the women's game you know, catch on as well. Chris, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would love the opportunity, not only just to see the U.S. women's national team, but see them take on Canada. So how can they go about getting tickets? Yeah, you just go to Ticketmaster.com. At Ticketmaster.com, search under USA Hockey, and and uh, there's there, you go to the Ticketmaster, and that's the easiest way to do it. Select your seat and, and come on out. The tickets are very reasonably priced. And um, as I said, there's not, a, there's not a bad ticket in the place. It's only 3,000 seats. It's a very intimate intimate experience with um, to get up close to seeing these these women that are the best in the world that are going to be playing just a couple of months later in Beijing at the 2022 uh, Olympics. Chris, great to have you with us. Thanks for all the Sports Commission does to make St. Louis such a great sports town. We appreciate it, and uh, this will be a success next week. Thanks for bringing this to town. Thank you for having us this morning, and uh, have a great weekend. You too. That's Chris Roseman from the Sports Commission. By the way, Alex Cavallini, the U.S. goalie, the uh, daughter-in-law of Gino, not Paul. So uh, the, I guess, neat daughter-in-law. Right. Somehow somehow related to Paul, too. So uh, 314 says, do they have, meaning I guess the Sports Commission, have anything with uh, St. Louis getting golf tournaments like the uh, President's Cup coming? I emceed that, and it was specifically mentioned by the PGA Tour at that press conference, they said, we 
obviously Bell Reeve is a great venue. It's a world-class championship venue that can host this kind of event. Um, but we saw the response of what happened at Bell Reeve with the PGA Championship. We see what happens with the Blues and the Cardinals. But one of the things that really attracted us back to St. Louis, and we understand it's going to get really well supported, but we see what the Sports Commission has done with the basketball events, the the ice hockey here, various things that they bring. Kind of like, I don't want to say secondary events. They're not your professional events. Hopefully I'm saying that right. But they said, man, that gets supported like crazy. And so we understand that a President's Cup is going to get supported, but this just added to it. So, yes, the answer is the Sports Commission definitely has a hand in, in helping that. Thanks to Chris Roseman and the Sports Commission. A couple of things for you. Number one, you can join in the holiday spirit by donating to this year's Carriker and Smallman 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser, supporting Operation Food Search. Donate at least $25 online between now and December 13th, and that's Monday, by the way, and you'll get a complimentary 101 ESPN T-shirt. Maybe get one for a friend or family member. You'll also get a koozie and a sticker as a gift for your donation. You score a free 101 shirt, a koozie, and a sticker and your $25 donation helps Operation Food Search serve the metro area during this critical time of year. Thanks to our presenting sponsors of this year's 12 Days of T-Shirts campaign, American Standard Heating and Cooling Contractors and McBride Homes. And a special thank you to McBride Homes today for making a donation match of $500 to the 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser. Get that 101 ESPN Blues T-Shirt. Especially now, the Blues are on a roll. Hot, hot, hot. And we're going to talk to Joe Vitale about that next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We are efforting our blues analyst here on 101 ESPN, Joe Vitale and Michelle, Randy, Dan with you. And the Blues won the Stanley Cup in 2019. And the, the latest valuations by Forbes of NHL teams came out this week and the Blues were only number 21. They were just over $500 million. But you think about what the championship did, the Stanley Cup championship did here in this town and the loyalty that it breeds for a franchise. You can't put a dollar value on that in my opinion. I think the Blues with that championship earned themselves a a lot of cachet with their fans in terms of buying their gear, buying their tickets. But it also gave them some leeway, some rope, because people were so frustrated with that franchise is never winning. Now, a lot of us are satisfied. Of course, but I would love to be able to quantify just how much money was spent, not only during the Stanley Cup playoffs, but on merchandise, on sweaters with the patch, on hats, um, going down to the parade. How much money was generated, not only for the Blues, but for the city because of that one championship? To me, it started a little bit earlier prior to that, when you had the Winter Classic and you had the renovations at uh, Enterprise Center. I think when you started having that, um, and there was the ownership change as well. When when you got owners that uh, are committed to St. Louis, committed to the town, and ultimately, with wins and losses, committed to spending to the cap. Mm-hmm. So all those things kind of coming together, and then the icing on the cake was winning the championship. And it does legitimize your franchise when you've been doing this for years. My dad, God rest his soul, has been gone for, I don't know, decade and a half. We used to, uh, he's the biggest blues fan, and he used to spit at the TV because he gets so frustrated. <laughs> really? We have a little black and white watching the old Maple Leaf Blues in the, uh, in the playoffs. He would get so mad. And his famous line to me was, they're just going to break your heart. They're just going to break your heart. Mm-hmm. 
And that's what he would say to me. And they did. And they did break our hearts. But not that time. When Pat Maroon scored that goal, all bets were off. Uh-huh. That was the, the game changer. And I don't know. You, you, you walk in there now, and it as a fan, I was actually thinking this uh, going in there as a fan the other day. It, it has a different feel to it now that they've won a championship. I, I don't know why, but it does. It's like it just legitimizes everything that you've had. The Blues are valued at $640 million. When Tom Stillman and his group bought the team seven years ago, or nine years ago, 2012, about 10 years ago, they paid $180 million. And the Rangers just became the first $2 billion NHL franchise. So even though hockey is seen by many as a niche sport, as a regional sport, all of the teams are going up. The average rise in value of an NHL franchise this year is about 20%. And it seems wow. it seems mm-hmm. like it's not going to be a losing endeavor if you buy any sort of sports franchise, unless you're the Arizona Coyotes and you just don't pay your taxes. Yeah, you got to pay your taxes. Uh, it's the hope that and kills Danny Mac, 309. Yeah, yeah you're right. It's, if you, Arizona is an anomaly, and how the NHL has that happen is beyond me. That a pro, And it's happened with the NHL multiple times. They allowed a guy with virtually zero dollars to buy the Islanders about 20 years ago. And that there's a great 30 for 30 about that. But how can you allow an ownership in your league that doesn't pay their rent on their arena? That are good, the that taxes. Could, could get yeah. locked out. Right. They, they literally were going to close the doors on them. Yes. Now, yeah. you knew that wasn't going to happen because the NHL would have been extremely embarrassed. So you would have had let's just say they couldn't pay it the, the league would have stepped up and said here's the check we'll take care of it and work behind the scenes because we we have games and we have television rights and we have a lot of money on the line to make sure that mm-hmm. players are playing there now if they do next year we'll see but um you're right i i don't know how that happens um but sometimes like like you said the 30 for 30 with the islanders was all smoke and mirrors you know what i mean mm-hmm. and and I guess you just have to do your due. I, I don't roll in those circles like you do, Randall and Michelle, you know, high-profile mm-hmm. people with a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but I guess you got to do your due diligence and making sure that everything is on the up and up and that when you do have downtimes and people aren't coming out, that they can cover the nut, you know, that you can make sure and make the payments. St. Louis always had incredible Blues fans, but I would argue that timing is really everything, too, because with the Rams leaving in the manner in which they did and Stan Kroenke being a local guy who wanted nothing to do with Missouri, with St. Louis, and really burning the fans, it was the perfect time not only for the Blues to win the Stanley Cup, but for this owner and Tom Stillman, who does so much to spend for the organization and does so much to improve Enterprise Center and to pour back into the city for him to win and for that franchise to win i think it really took a lot of there there's probably a great opportunity for people who are rams fans who maybe necessarily didn't love the blues or might have been on the fence for them to jump over to the blue side of things and not only fans but businesses yeah businesses great point with corporate support as well and you think about this where the blues are now with this valuation and by the way it's interesting to me that the last two Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay, they've won the last two Stanley Cups. They're valued at 650 million. They're ranked number 20 by Forbes, and the Blues at 640 million. But this is a franchise. When we talk about not having money to spend, it's a franchise that in 1983 was literally placed on the doorstep of the NHL. Ralston Purina didn't want to own, own it anymore, and. Yeah, fortunately for us, we had Harold Ballard, the owner of the Maple Leafs, who said, over my dead body, does a team move to, at that time, Hamilton, Ontario, and then Saskatoon, Bill Hunter wanted to move the French, buy it and move it, and 
we're lucky, even though he kind of tore the team down a little bit, but we're lucky that Harry Ornest bought it. But this, yes. is, this is a franchise that sent one person to the draft in 1983, and the Blues didn't participate in the draft. The franchise was done. It was it was done, and now it's worth $640 million. I was just going to bring that up. I think for our young listeners that really enjoy um, Blues hockey, and, and understandably so, and have seen a lot of success over the last 10 or 15 years, uh, we remember, Randy, the, 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 the draft that wasn't. They went an entire draft. Now mm-hmm. think about that. In this day and age where you're built on getting young players in any sport and drafting, and you don't know who comes out of that draft. You may get the next Wayne Gretzky. Who knows? You never know. But somebody is going to come out of that draft to help you. Multiple players probably come out of the draft to help you. They went an entire draft class and didn't have it. And I, I think when we say that to a young player or a, a young fan, they go, you got to be kidding me. No, nope, it happened. That's where this franchise was. Mm-hmm. And uh, and people forget that. And um, and the ownership changes that we've had, now we've got a yep. guy that's very, very solid. And by the way, things weren't solid the day that Tom Stillman no. bought the team. The, the team very easily could have moved when Dave Checkett's kind of checked out in 2011, 2012. So we were fortunate that Tom Stillman was in the ownership group and bought it too because Again, the league was in charge of the finances of the franchise then. And if it's not for Gary Bettman supporting and defending St. Louis, the franchise very easily could have left then too. I also think, though, it goes back to if you take a big picture view of what this marketplace will do. And I I like to throw in a lot of times the middle of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, Chicago excluded because it's a a massive market. But I mean, your, your Columbus, your Nashville... Uh, St. Louis, these kind of places, look at just how the fans support your teams. And I always say it, and it's no knock on us, it's reality. We don't have mountains, don't have the beach, don't have the ocean. What we do have and what we support always, if you if you just show a modicum of respect to the fans and that you care a little bit, don't even have to go the full way. Just play the role of we love it here and, mm-hmm. and we support this place and we want to support this place the fans will come back twofold. I mean, they'll give it back to you like you've never seen. And and I think they understand that at the highest levels that this is a place that, you know, ultimately it's about making money, but we can make a lot of money if we show that we're invested in the community. Not just here, but some of the middle market places that you have. I, I truly believe that. I don't know if you guys agree, but that's where I look at it. And I think probably at the highest levels, they said, we've been invested there for decades. Why would we take that out? We know there is a passionate fan base anyway. The Blues fan, the Blues season ticket holder is unlike any other. It's different than the Cardinals. It's different than what we saw with the Rams and the football Cardinals. It's just they support it through and through. And so if you get a team that has a chance to win a little bit, people are going to come out, and they Mm -hmm. have. And that's the difference between the Midwest and other markets that might be in bigger cities where they do have a lot of options. But that seems to be less and less important i think to owners which is sad because it's all about tv rights and it's about valuations based on market size and at some point that is going to come back to bite some of these owners because the fans are what makes the engine run well i I also think that these guys that run in those circles and they're few and far between and families or ladies that have made a lot of money too but i'm just talking about that group um for some of these people it's a portfolio right? I've got business X. I've got that business. Oh, by the way, I, I'm 
the owner or part of an ownership group that does this and what you do you look at your spreadsheets and you say okay this is as a business person this is making money this isn't there isn't the investment emotionally to the community maybe or even to the sport or to the team and when you get people that are truly invested in the team it's not just a portfolio it's something that means something yeah. to them that is a hundred percent correct it's different than other places and, and we care and now with sports the way it is it's not many people i mean there's few and far between of people that can swim in those circles or have a desire to with sports mm -hmm. that's the other thing right. i mean it's a yeah. unique group of people that are you know lucky enough to do that by the way quick fun fact for you the blues would have had the fifth pick in that 1983 draft the fifth pick wound up being buffalo they pat lafontaine uh, pat lafontaine was the uh, third pick in that third draft pick. okay uh, steve eiserman was fourth barrasso was fifth so this is where the blues missed out barrasso who wound up winning a stanley cup yeah. as a goalie uh, john Penguins, right yep john uh he was taken by the sabers and but i mean he won with the one with the penguins yeah. yeah uh john mcclain who scored 413 goals primarily with the devils uh russ Cortnell, who scored 297 goals and 744 points in his career Andrew McBain, uh, right winger, who scored 129 goals. Then Cam Neely, who had a really good career, uh, was drafted by Vancouver at number nine. And then Norman Lacombe was drafted at number 10. So those are some of the players the Blues missed out on wow. just in the first round. And they didn't have any draft choices that year. Okay, Megamind, help me out here. How did uh, Cam Neely get to Boston? Do you remember? The trade was... I'm I don't trying remember. to think of it, yeah. too. It's on the tip of my tongue, and I can't think of it. So I guess it's not on the tip of my tongue, but when you say it, it's going to go, oh, I should have known that. I'll look it up for you here. I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, we'll both hate each other. Hate ourselves. Yeah. We won't hate each other. No, we'll I love we'll you, ourselves. You know that. So Come the on, trade baby. was, uh, oh, a, just a first-round draft pick. Okay. Traded by Vancouver for a first-round draft pick that I wound up being Glenn Wesley. Yeah, I thought it was a, uh, I didn't think it was a big name. I thought it was a draft pick. And that's, yep, there you go. I couldn't, one. yeah. Interesting. Coming up, the Pretty good fight. player for a draft pick. Yeah. He, Holy oof, smokes. Yeah. He he was awesome. He, yeah. He was the power forward in the league oh, for a few years. Awesome. It was, it was do you want Shanny or Neely? Mm -hmm. it, those were the guys. It, it was either Brendan Shannon or Cam Neely. Those were the two power forwards. That, that was the argument that people had in sports bars. And then I think about Ray Bork. And you know Ray Bork was awfully close to being a St. Louis Blue. Yep. Very, very close. And then he got his cup. Uh, with the Colorado Avalanche, and I think it's one of the great calls in hockey was, um, uh, was it Gary Thorne. Gary, Gary Thorne, Thorne, who was so awesome, but he said something to paraphrase it, but he said, "And Raymond Bork has finally got his cup." Yeah, and you can see the the tears are going down his cheeks. It was uh, oh, it was awesome, and he, it was almost a blue. That was the uh, that was the championship too, the one that Enos Stanley has won because he bought that team and inherited the quality of that team. It's the only championship he's won as a majority owner in any sport. And the Blues that year when Bork went to the Avalanche, and it took a little bit to win there, but mm -hmm. the Blues were very close, my understanding, to getting him. Hmm. And it was um, very, very close. One quick note here, by the way. It's interesting to talk to players that played in that era from the Blues because I would think that they th would think that the closest they were to winning a Stanley Cup was 1996 when Fuhrer got hurt. Yeah. And the players say no. Walt Pronger, those guys that were on Demetra, that team. Yeah, the, the they, they say the 2001 team yes. was the team that they thought was going to win. Well, you had, I don't know if I've seen a more dominant season, and I was there just about every night covering the team, than Chris Pronger the year that he won the MVP. Mm -hmm. He was never off the ice, played special teams. He dominated the other team's top player. 
and never got beat. Yeah, stud. And you had McKinnis still playing at a high level. Right. I mean, the they were awesome. Yeah. It was a fun team. Yep. All right, coming up next, the right, fight. Memory Lane was uh, fun. 101 ESPN. Canada sucks. <laughs> we are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Welcome to the fight on Character and Smallman. In the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Danny Mac, Michelle Smallman, Andrew Marsh here with you on 101 ESPN, and it's time for the fight. We're welcoming back Lou, who is the reigning champion here on the fight. And Dan, we're all cheering for Lou again today. I, you know, I think you're getting on my bandwagon now. I, I know the listeners are there because I, I run into listeners and they're like, man, we love that you poll for, and I don't even like saying this, average Joe listener, because you are not average Joe. You're very important. So, uh, Lou... Um, let's do it again. Let's take down Randy. You made him very upset yesterday, which put a <laughs> smile on my face. I look forward to it. I do, too. Let's get it gone. Uh, Lou, how was yesterday? Were you getting a lot of texts and calls from your friends? I was. Uh, my friend's dad, uh, who's getting married tomorrow, he's a little upset. I didn't give him a shout-out. So, uh, Big Joe is listening today, and uh, here's your shout-out. All right. Shout-out to Big Joe. Thanks for listening. Okay, Lou, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Okay, Lou, trying to take down Randy two days in a row. Question number one. What PGA tournament features what is regarded as the loudest hole in golf? Let me read that one more time. What PGA tournament features what is regarded as the loudest hole in golf? Is it the Memorial Tournament, the Waste Management Phoenix Open, or AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am? Uh, I'm going to go Waste Management. In December of 1967, Glenn Hall made 30 saves and recorded the first shutout in St. Louis Blues history against what now defunct NHL team, the Oakland Seals, Cleveland Barons, the Kansas City Scouts. Uh, can I get my options again? Sure. Oakland Seals, Cleveland Barons, Kansas City Scouts. I'm going to go with the uh, Barons. All right. I almost feel like I'm not going to do this question justice because Dan is our broadcaster here, but I'm going to try. So question number three, name the broad- You're a broadcaster. But not not a play-by-play well, like that, you. I'm not really either, but go ahead. <laughs> okay, question number three. Name the broadcaster that said the famous line, down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier. Nice. Thank you, Dan. After George Foreman defeated Smokin' Joe Frazier, was it Jim Lampley, Howard Cosell, or Al Burstein? Uh, Howard Cosell. Coined by Kobe Bryant, which NBA star is uh-uh. known to be called the White Mamba? WNBA star. Um, yes, WNBA oh, star. Don't, is, even get, no, wait, don't even give me options. Brian Calabrini. No, no, WNBA star. WNBA star. Oh, WNBA. Coined, but that would be let, correct. Let's start this over. That would let's, be correct on the NBA. So maybe you get a point on that. But coined by Kobe Bryant, which WNBA star is known to be called the White Mamba? Elena Del Don, Deanna, uh, Diana Taurasi, or Sue Bird? Diana Taurasi. Okay, checking our score. 
Yep. Bringing in Randy. Dan is covering. Well, that's good. Dan's covering his sheet of paper. Louis, you said you love the WNBA. I, I well, you know what? I don't. I don't watch it a ton. Uh-huh. But I actually watch it more than the NBA because, unlike Randy, who yesterday said the WNBA isn't a sport, I hardly disagree. Oh, Randy, love right. it. Disagreeing with good you. Good for you, Lou. People are allowed to disagree. Yeah, they can like stupid stuff. Come on, Randy. What? Women's sports is not stupid. Have you ever watched the WNBA game start to finish? I have. I've been to oh, one. Man, wow. Randy, have you ever watched an NBA game start to finish? Oh yeah, nice Tons call, of Lou. Tons <laughs> of them. Yeah, I've been to games in Philly, L.A., Chicago, Brooklyn. Yeah, I've been to L.A. A lot of uh, it's dunking and traveling. Mm, yeah, but Lou's calling you out, Randall. Yeah, it's a, a lot of talent, though. Tons of talent. There's a lot of talent in the WNBA, too, Randy. That's maybe right. should give it more of a shot. Yes. Okay, Randy, uh, you're familiar I'll, with I'll wait Lou. wait until we get a team. You're familiar with Lou. He beat you yesterday. Yeah, Lou, welcome. Yeah, I came home. Hey. I came. I came home, and my wife said, "Why is Dan so mean to you?" And I said, "Oh, it's come a on, show. Joan. Been so trying to get you show. to go I/O with Randy. I'm trying yeah. to help. I'm a relationship kind of guy, <laughs> expert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He is. Thank you. Did okay. she? She really thought I was mean to you? Yeah. For real? Yeah. Did you set her straight and say, "I said it's a show. It's a character." Oh, sorry, Joan. Go ahead. Randy, are you ready? I'm ready. Question number one. What PGA tournament features what is regarded as the loudest hole in golf? That would be the uh, Waste Management Open down in Scottsdale, Arizona. In December of 1967, Glenn Hall made 30 saves and recorded the first shutout in St. Louis Blues history against what now defunct NHL team? Oh, baby. I would say that that team probably was a fellow expansion member, the California Golden Seals. Name the broadcaster that said the famous line, down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier, down goes Frazier, after George Foreman defeated Smokin' Joe Frazier. I think that may have been Howard Cosell. Coined by Kobe Bryant, which WNBA star is known to be called the White Mamba? The White Mamba. Um, She plays up in Seattle. I know. She played college basketball somewhere. (laughs) Uh, I'll do the lifeline here, Daniel. Elena Del Don. No. Diana Taurasi. No. Sue Bird. Is Sue? No. Okay. okay, who's the who would be the white mamba? Elena Del Don is. Elena Deladon. Uh, okay, whatever. <laughs> it's not her. So oh, I'm gonna man. go with uh Tarasi and uh Sue Bird. And Sue Bird has the championships, but well, Tarasi, they've been really good. They got a lot of banners up there in Seattle or in uh, Phoenix. I will go the White Mamba. I will go with Tarasi. This was an unbelievable fight. It, ac- it actually came down to the WNBA question. Was it Lou or was it Randy? Andrew let him know. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight... Randy Carricker. Brought to you by Optical Expressions. Providing St. Louis with top quality eye care and eyewear since 1997. You like that? You like that? Lil. Just win, baby. I'm so sorry. Randy, he literally... (laughs) I know he took a shot. Oh, here we go. Too hot, lady. 
Gotta run for shelter. Gotta run for shade. It's too hot. <laughs> Are we listening to the whole song? Maybe. The whole track? Yeah, what else you got? Are you going to play the whole thing? Oh, yeah, go I got ahead. nothing. Go ahead. Are you sure? Can I proceed or do you have one more? <laughs> hey, Lou. You still there? Yeah. We want you to text in again and. Don't stop believing. <laughs> Lou, does that make you upset a little bit? Randy, I just got to know one thing. Yeah. Were you up till 2 or 3 a.m. studying WNBA? A three. <laughs> <laughs> and he still gassed, I bet. I'm Great fight out of Lou. He won yesterday. Yeah. He got three correct today. He did get three, but. <laughs> yeah, but Randy, he beat you yesterday. He's on a roll. Maybe you should, we should bring back Lou because this has been hotly contested on Monday. It really has been. But Randy did get all four correct. So the PGA tournament features the loudest hole in golf at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Hole number 16, I believe. Right, guys? I think that is right. Mm-hmm. December of uh, 1967, Glenn Hall made 30 saves, recorded the first shutout in Blues history. And that was the Oakland Seals, which then I think became the Cleveland Barons. They did. And then the Barons became the Minnesota they North Stars. with the Stars. Yeah. So the famous Down Goes Frazier, Down Goes Frazier, Down Goes Frazier line after George Foreman defeated Smokin' Joe Frazier was said by Howard Cosell. And coined by Kobe Bryant, which NBA star is known to be called the White Mamba, it is Diana Taurasi. And the great thing about Randy is he's smart, he's open-minded. Did you pay Mo to say that? <laughs> I didn't have to. <laughs> Lou, thanks so much. Mm. We appreciate you. Have a great weekend. Lou's gone. <laughs> Good for you, Lou. I would have hung up, too. He pinkled us. <laughs> yeah, we got pinkled. That's I right. understand. You know, after Randy played 1,100 drops there, I think I would have hung up, too. Mm-hmm. I would have. You ain't first. You're last. Uh, 314, congrats on your one-game winning streak, Randy. <laughs> 314, tell Randy enough in capital letters. This is why people don't like Randy, 314. Uh... Randy about Joan, uh, 314, so that's because Randy is so salty and arrogant. Real simple, son. Cops are coming. There's a kilo of Colombian Bam Bam under the car. Time to be a man. Let me ask you this. Now, we, we, let's have a presser. <laughs> you oh, got it. here we go. Randy, you're very salty yesterday. Mm-hmm. I'm yep. the media. Michelle's the media. You were able yep. to come back and pick up a win over a very good opponent in Lou. Lou was great. Uh, what was the difference, you think, today? Yeah, well, first of all, impressive performance by Lou. And the difference today was that uh, I I did study and I knew my WNBA and then just had to execute. And once you go through the process of preparing and you know what your plan is going to be, all you have to do is execute. So this was a victory that was based on execution. You say it's based on execution, Randy, and that you spent time studying. But on question number four, it felt like you didn't know the answer. Can you confirm that? I will absolutely confirm that. Uh, yeah, I, I did not quite know that uh, the White Mamba was the winner. Who, who is the uh, the Oregon, wasn't an Oregon guard, or maybe she plays for Seattle, I don't know, that uh, Kobe had developed a relationship before he passed away? I think it's Diana Taurasi. No, because she's been around forever. It was young. Somebody young. Randy, uh, uh, in the back there, they're asking, um, mm-hmm. uh, what are you going to do to celebrate this win? To be Now you're back on the winning track. You're feeling good. What are you going to do to celebrate? It's a great question. Uh, just go home and maybe have a, a quick scotch. I'm not sure. 
We'll see. A quick scotch. <laughs> Didn't yeah. expect that. All right, guys, we need to wrap this thing Joe, up. Randy's yeah, going off the deep yeah. end. Joe Vitale next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> we are right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. We're talking blues hockey. It's the Joey Vitale Report on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by the Electrical Connection. When you need quality electrical work for your home or business, visit electricalconnection.org. We'll spend a few minutes with Joe Vitale as we get ready for the Blues and the Canadians tomorrow night. Another shorthanded victory last night for the Blues, 6-2 over the Detroit Red Wings. The Aussie, Nathan Walker, with a hat trick. Joey, good morning. Great to have you with us. How you doing? Randy, doing great. Doing great, everyone. Doing, doing good. How you guys doing today? Uh, Joey, before we get started with some hockey questions, Randy's trying to give Nathan Walker a new nickname, and we need you to approve or veto this. Is that all right? All right, hit me with it. What right, do you got? Go ahead, Randy. Nadub. Mm-hmm. Nadab. No. <laughs> no. No. No, Randy. What else you have? Uh these guys want to go with real long ones. What what do we have here? Like No, I, I thought Joey he might already have one, like Waxy or something, but Nadub just doesn't feel like it fits him. No, it's too long. It's too long. You can't say Nadub when you're playing with them. It's too long. It's gotta be one. Bortzi, um, Ryo, you know, um Sunny. Bam, bam. Those are all two-syllable, too, though. I mean, I got to play devil's advocate here, Joey. It's too too loaded, Dan. It's too loaded. Don't disagree with me here, Dan. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, Joey. Um, You know, I I was thinking Walker, Texas Ranger, but that that will not slide off the tongue, especially if he's playing with some Russians. So I don't think that'll work either. (laughs) What if you had, like, Crocodile for Crocodile Dundee, and then he just goes by Croc? Crocky? I mean, yeah, Crocky would not be bad. I don't know. I was was thinking even just something simple like Mo. Like the old, the old, the most cider in the game last night, and and we were kind of talking names, and that's that's an undercover name. I don't know why more parents don't name their kids Mo. You know, the only Mo I knew was from the Three Stooges. I think maybe Curves threw out there that there was one from the Simpsons. But uh, John Mozeliak, you got Mo, yeah. John Mozeliak. Yeah, I guess you, I guess you can kind of fit that. I was thinking more first names, but yeah, that'll work as well. All right. Well, Joey, I think Nathan Walker does need a nickname when he comes up and has a hat trick and a performance like we saw last night. You know, he's, he's got plenty of nicknames, and um, i tell you one thing about this kid. Uh, he is just extremely well-liked amongst this team. Uh, you know, we have the pleasure of being around these players, and uh, every now and then, uh, you guys see it in baseball and, and hockey and football, I'm sure, but every now and then, just a, an, an incredible presence of a human being will, will come through those doors and get called up or sign a contract, and, and just something, that the kid's got something different. You can't really put your you can't really put your finger on it exactly what it is, but ever since you know Nathan Walker, I met him a couple of years ago, has had just this amazing presence. Uh, and I think at the core of it, it really is he just he cares about people. He cares about everyone, whether you're a broadcaster, a player, a reporter, a fan. He just got this uh, really genuine spirit to him, a uh, really giving spirit where he just gives you his time, uh, his energy, and um, uh, that's the that's the personality side. And then you switch it to the player side. And this is just a bonus, right? I mean, the way he plays the game is the way I love to see players play the game. And I think a lot of Blues fans love to see the way he plays because he's got that lunch pail, uh, put everything on the line, every shift he plays, like it may be his last. Because for quite frankly, guys, in his whole career, he doesn't know when his last game is going to be because he's been up and down. He's been a journeyman forever. Uh, So he plays every game and every shift truly like it could be his last this season 
And I think this is what's so intriguing about him, and it's just wonderful to see him have success in the game last night. You know, I mean, uh, a quick story about him, you know, I think it's, it's, it's been out there now, but I remember talking to him last year in January, um, asking him how his wife and his newborn baby's doing, had a little girl. And, you know, he was, he, he was getting kind of teary-eyed talking about it because, you know, he has a baby. I think it was three months later he had to leave, come to America, now with COVID restrictions and everything like that. You, obviously, you can't, you can't bring your wife and child over last year. You know, he, he spent, I think, seven months away from, from his, his little girl. I mean, when he, when he left, uh, the baby was kind of starting to look and be observant and look around, and, but no smiling, nothing like that. Imagine coming home, you know, seven months later, and the baby's crawling and giggling and kind of looking at you. And, you know, it's just it's amazing hearing stories like that, and, you know, because you, you look at sometimes the sacrifices players make and uh, it's just wonderful to see him have success, and I hope it continues here in St. Louis. Hey, Joey, one more quick thing. What kind of a job is Craig Berube doing here? He's doing an amazing job. Yeah, he, he really is. And, you know, I'll tell you a quick story, too. A couple games ago, and I talked to Mike Van Ryan about this. Uh, Curbs and I both did. You know, you go, you go to that Florida game. Uh, it was a mess, a mess of the first period. I think they were getting out shot 20 to three, maybe 20 to four at one point. Florida was all over him. Billy Huso played on his head. Uh, the game was only one nothing at that point. Um, but this is this speaks volumes of, I think, the, the evolution and the maturity and just the understanding of this team of Craig Berube. A uh, coach usually comes in about eight minutes before the team is going to take the ice again for the next period. So after the period's over, guys go to the locker room, guys do their thing, they, they, they strip down, some of them jump in ice tubs, some get a protein shake, whatever it is, but the coaches go directly to the coach's room. Well, this, this time was a little different. Instead of going to the coach's room and then coming back out around the eight-minute mark before they're taking the second period, uh, Chief just goes right, right into the locker room right away. And I think it was kind of a, a bit of a jolt and a bit of a different kind of change up of the routine for these players. But he goes right in there. And he didn't scream. He didn't holler. He didn't freak out. He didn't throw, throw water bottles and, and curse people's names. Uh, the message apparently was simple. He just kind of looked around the room, and he just kind of instilled more confidence in this group that needed it at that time. He said, you guys are a good hockey team. You guys, we're not playing aggressive. All we're doing is giving the puck away. If we start moving our feet and we start taking care of that puck, I promise you this game is going to turn around. And look what happened. They had a great second period. They actually got the lead in the game. And they go and they grab two points from the best, the best team, in my opinion, in the National Hockey League. From there, continue to brew over to last night's game. You got half of a Springfield team. I mean, look at the Springfield Thunderbirds and how they, how they came to play last night. Dakota Joshua, plus three, two assists. Nico Mikula, although not a Springfield Thunderbird, but a young guy, he got two assists. Nathan Walker on the hat trick. Charlie Lundgren uh, gets the win on the back end. So he, just, he has this way about him. He, he knows what every player needs individually, and, and he's really going to be there to deliver it. You know, there was a great book called Endurance. Some of you guys have ever read it with uh, Shackleton. It was this, this captain of this boat. He had, a, he had a captain across the Antarctic, and that was his, that was his mission, right? And, um, you know, spoiler alert, uh, they didn't make it. But, um, you know, <laughs> um, but it was a, it's an amazing book if you haven't checked it out. But one of the things that always stuck out, stood out about that book to me when I read it multiple times, was it Shackleton's leadership ability? He was so good, and from from what from people said in the survivors or not the survivors, but what they read about later in the diaries and things like that, he was so amazing uh, in the leadership quality because uh, he looked at his whole crew and and he did something that at the time was kind of um, it was different and a lot of leadership didn't do. He looked at every individual and he said, you know, you need something different than he needs something, and he he may need a kick in the butt, he may need a hug, you know, he he may need a shoulder to cry on. And he maybe need a little spark, and this is the way I'm going to do it. But he, he led from a position of everyone needs something different. And I think when Craig Berube came into the league in, in Philadelphia, certainly when I used to play against him, he was a hard-nosed guy, and then became the head. 
and then he moved on to the American League in Chicago, and then he got in St. Louis. And I, watching him just evolve as a head coach, I think he's he's gone from more of a you know lead from a position of you know this this is the the message across the board, and everyone better file in line. To now, uh, you know he he knows Vlad needs a kick in the butt. He knows Sonny can joke around. He knows Nathan Walker uh, is a guy you can kind of get 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 further in his saddle a little bit. Uh, Jordan Bennington likes to be called out, so he he kind of leads from a position. Uh, Rain, to answer your question, of he understands his players so well, the relationships are so good, and he knows them to the point where I know how to motivate this kid, and this is how I'm going to do it with this one individually, and this is what's going to bring out the best in him. Joey V, always great stuff. Thank you very much. We'll see you tomorrow as the Blues get ready to take on Montreal. You guys have a great weekend. Thank you very much. That is Joe Vitale with us on 101 ESPN. It is bowl season for the Mizzou Tigers. We're going to talk to Tigers linebacker Blaze Aldridge next with Carriker Smallman and Danny Mack on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Carriker and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Opinionated and proud of it. This is Carriker and Smallman live from the Car Shield Studio on 101 ESPN. Opinions matter. Time now for today's big thing with Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Together Credit Union. Here for St. Louis. Here to help you achieve more with your money. The Mizzou basketball team plays Kansas tomorrow. The Mizzou football team getting ready for the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. That's December 22nd in Fort Worth, Texas. And Mizzou linebacker Blaze Aldridge, kind enough to join us on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line here on 101 ESPN. Blaze with Michelle Smallman. This is Randy Carricker. Good morning. Happy holidays. How are you doing? Good morning. Uh, I'm doing great. I want to thank you guys for having me on the show. We're, we're thrilled to have you. And first of all, you came to... Mizzou as a graduate student after having played at Rice. How did that transition go? How did this semester of football go for you? Yeah, well, it, it was definitely, you know, a big time transition. Uh, got to experience some special moments in SEC play that, you know, you just don't really get at the group of five level. Um, and it was a little bit of a roller coaster. We had some ups and downs as a as a defense this year, but you know, I'm really proud of the way we closed out, and, you know, it's nice that we get to have a bowl game now and, and go out on that. And, Blaze, the Armed Forces Bowl versus Army is going to be in Forth, Fort Worth. Kind of cool that it's almost a full circle moment with you going back to Texas. Yeah, no, I, I think I thought the same thing, you know, when I found out about it. Um, I've got a lot of former teammates and friends down there, Um and, you know, playing an old foe like Army, uh, who I actually played my, my junior year when I was at Rice, and being back in Texas, it, it really makes it seem like my college career has come full circle, you know, and, and is reaching a satisfying conclusion. Well, you, you've played Army, as you mentioned, and obviously you're scouting them now. What do the Tigers need to do to win this bowl game versus Army? Yeah, well, defensively, it's going to come down to just um, being assignment sound. You know, the triple option, uh, it's a simpler thing in the fact that, you know, it doesn't do as many things as, like, the spread offense. But the hard part about it is that everything kind of looks the same and you just got to line up and do your job every play. So, as a defense, we got to make sure that we're willing to do the hard stuff and, and get our job done every play and, we can't fall asleep and give up those one or two uh, passes over the top. 
Hey, Blaze, uh, what's it like playing for Eli Drinkwitz and his energy and, and just the excitement that he's brought to this program? Recruiting, we see that, but just being a player and in uniform, uh, pull back the curtain a little bit. What's it like playing for this guy? Yeah, um, you know, it was a big switch up coming over here and, and having a younger head coach and the energy he brings. And honestly, it, it makes it really fun to come into work every day. Um, he's just got all these little things that he does in the facility to – uh, keep people inspired. You know, we have uh, shootouts in the team meeting room sometimes uh, where we have like a basketball hoop, you know, and we got a shooting competition with some teammates to get the competitive juices flowing on some days before practice, you know, uh, the little things, post little messages in the locker room and stuff. And it just feels like every week, you know, almost every day he's finding a new little way to uh, make sure that we're staying motivated and, and keeping everybody's energy and spirits up. So, that's something that I've really appreciated during my time here. Mizzou linebacker Blaze Aldridge with us on 101 ESPN. Blaze, you mentioned the roller coaster ride for your defense. What happened to allow the defense to get so much better against the run in the second half of the season? Uh, I think it just came down to getting comfortable in the scheme and, you know, a change in our mentality. Um, uh, we really gained a lot of confidence, and, you know, that just came from our coaches continuing to have confidence in us and getting better through practice throughout the year. And, you know, finally we kind of put it all together. Um, it didn't result in a win, but uh, when we had a good game against Georgia on the ground, we said, you know what, that that was the number one team in the country at the time. And they have some good backs. They've got a good front seven. So if we were able to do this against them, then we should really be able to you know, stop the run against anybody. And I think that's kind of what gave us the momentum going forward to close out the season strong. And really, anybody includes Army. They're the number two rushing team in America. So you guys are going to have to be on your game in the bowl game. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that kind of goes back to uh, what we were talking about earlier about how everything's just coming full circle, you know, Uh, us getting – better and better as a rush defense over the course of the year for finally what seems like an ultimate test against a team that, you know, could really go the whole game just running the football, never passing it. So that that really just goes to show that's going to be on the defensive back. And I think, you know, with where we're at and our confidence and our mentality, we honestly wouldn't want it any other way. Blaze, I was reading about you last night, and I saw that you're pursuing your master's degree in positive coaching at Mizzou, which I thought was so interesting. What do you hope to do with that degree once you are done with your collegiate career? Yeah, it's something that, um, you know, I got into uh, in hopes of maybe coaching somewhere down the road. Um, It's also something that I think taking it, you know, during my time as an athlete, it, it gives you a lot of good positive insights into leadership and, and things of that nature. So um, it, it's called positive coaching, but it's really more of like a positive uh, psychology and servant leadership uh, type program. So it gives you a, a lot of research and, and backed ideas on, on how to be a good positive leader and how to be servant leadership. So I took it uh, to help myself as a leader in my athletic career, but also because I'm considering to get into coaching in the future and just kind of give back to this game that has given so much to me. And how have you applied that right now to your teammates? Are you the guy that gives up and gives a speech when needed or seeks out certain players to pump them up? How have you applied what you've learned with positive coaching to your teammates? Yeah, you know, I've given a couple speeches, but for the most part, I'm not a a big speech guy because 
Um, I think those are kind of like a, a momentary thing. You know, a, a good speech gives you uh, some motivation in the moment, but it's not always there for you. What, what I'm really more about is the servant leadership portion of it and, you know, being for them and being there for them and, and getting to know them as a person um, and just going to show that I care beyond football and, and developing that camaraderie bond that makes it easier to play for the guy next to you. Um, you know, also just going out there and, putting in the work every day, showing the young guys what it looks like to uh, make it this far and, and last this long in, in college football. So uh, I'm really more about kind of the, the everyday stuff that kind of builds up inspiration versus uh, the big speeches that give momentary motivation. Hey, Blaze, early in the season, Coach Drinkwitz referred to your hair on several occasions. I saw that you got a little bit more conservative. What kind of quaff are you going with today? Uh, you know, right now I, I've just got it down. Um, it's been braided a lot for the season, so I'm letting it recoup because I'm going to get it braided back up for the bowl game. But I'm just kind of letting the curls and the flow go right now. I like it. it, and it looks great. Last time I saw you, it looked terrific, so keep that up. Great job at Mizzou in your graduate season, uh, and uh, we're looking forward to watching you play in the bowl game, Blaze. Thanks so much for the time today. Thank you. Take care. Blaze Aldridge, Mizzou linebacker, with us on 101 ESPN. Smart guy. Absolutely. So, And it'll, it'll be fun to have him playing at Mizzou, and we'll see him coaching down the line. Next up, you're killing me, Smalls, on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. What's totally killing Smalls right now? You're killing me, Smalls. You're killing me, Smalls, with Michelle Smallman on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by BMW of West St. Louis. They sell the most, so you can save the most. It is time now for... You're killing me, Smalls. So Mike McCarthy's been out for the Dallas Cowboys. He had a 10-day absence because of COVID-19. And his first game back is this weekend's game versus the Washington football team. And, guys, he is confident. He says, we're going to win this game. I'm confident in that. He's calling a shot. He said, I mean, what am I supposed to say? This is Mike McCarthy. Yeah, I fully expect to win every game that I've ever competed in. That's what sports is all about. That's what the NFL is all about. Trust me. I understand how hard it is. They're working hard. We're working hard. But, yeah, we're clearly planning on going to Washington and winning the game. There's no doubt about that. He probably, you know what, if you're an NFL coach, college coach, you get the vid, you probably just sit at home because you're quarantined and all you do is you, you, you call up the video coach, okay, your communications person with the NFL, your team, your college, you say, look, set me up with about 10 TVs and he probably sat there from 6 a.m. in the morning till about 2 in the morning, then got back up had a nice little meal, and then did the same thing for 10 days. It's what they do anyway. So what's the difference? He's quarantined. So then you just watch video, you make your evaluations. You're going to – half these guys sleep in their office anyway. So that's probably what he did, and he'll be ready to go against the skins. Bulletin board material. Yeah. And uh, Ron Rivera will have his team ready to play. And we know that because Michelle's wearing the, the hoodie today. That's right. Taylor Heineke is going to beat the Cowboys. And you think what, so, huh? what happens after he's made this declaration if the Washington football team beats the Cowboys? Let me ask you this, though. Honestly, what do you think he did in quarantine? What I said? Yeah. Exactly what yep. you said. What he's been doing this entire season, just I mean, in a different location. These guys don't leave their office anyway, except for practice and then the game. I don't think that's healthy, though. Oh, for sure it's not. For coaches that sleep there. I, 
you're probably overthinking things. If you can't take one minute away from your office or away from your game plan, you're likely overthinking it. So you're going to go back and look at your last previous matchup, and it could be from a year ago or two years ago, then the personnel, then you're going to look at all their games, then you're going to look at your special teams, your defense, your offense, and you're going to start doing an evaluation of your offensive line. What's going on? I mean, it's what they do. They try to go in and have it basically where they know it's a chess match of exactly the moves each other's going to make. It's crazy. It's kind of like Randy getting ready for radio in the fight. Go ahead, Andrew. You're killing me, Small. That's true, but I think Randy has far more success than the average NFL coach. Let's not butter him up. Just saying. His record is it speaks for itself. Don't stop. I'm being honest, Dan. Randy, you sit this one out. I don't need to hear from you. Stop with nine. this. Most NFL coaches, what's their shelf life? The average NFL coach, what's their shelf life? Three years? Max? Randy's been doing this how long? Uh, my first uh, radio gig was 1983, kids. Wow. Just saying, Dad. Never thought you'd be doing the fight and you're killing me so in 1983. When the Blues missed the draft. Yeah. We already talked about that. Good times. Well, you know who's having great times, guys? Is Give Pat, Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee is having the time of his life. So it was announced yesterday that FanDuel has reportedly signed a contract with the Pat McAfee show for about $30 million a year. He did a video yesterday, a YouTube video, where he confirmed that the show has re-upped with FanDuel because they were already a sponsor of his show for, quote, an absurd amount of money. It's a four-year deal with an opt-out after three years. And what I thought was really cool about this is that in this video, he announced that he's giving his parents a million dollars. He pledged millions to several charities. And then all of the, his boys on the show, he's giving them $250,000. It's awesome. That's fantastic. It's kind of like George Clooney, didn't he, on his... Uh... Uh, when he got married or something, gave all his buddies, brought him in, gave him a million bucks. A case with a million bucks. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty, that's, so cool. that's when you know, I just saw George Clooney turn down, I think we were talking about it last week, it was like $35 million for a commercial. For be- one commercial? Yeah, for him. Be- because his wife is involved with a lot of social aspects of countries and things that are not done properly. And I guess the, the, uh, the company was affiliated with one of these countries and he said, nah, out of principle, I'm not doing it. Well, you can have that principle when you've already made probably hundreds of millions of dollars. So yeah. FanDuel makes a deal with McAfee uh, for $30 million yes. on the heels of DraftKings doing a deal with Levitard for $50 million. So I guess the house is doing okay. I so I, so. I think what we're finding is a lot of these massive uh, media people that uh, command a following are just saying, you know what, with this day and age of technology, I'm not going to do TV, I'm not doing radio, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm my own brand, and I'll roll with that. Started with uh, Dan Patrick. He started it. That's a great point. And how many people at that time probably thought he was crazy? I remember listening to a podcast with him and where he was having to call networks himself Mm -hmm. and beg them to take his show um, because people didn't think it would work outside of a network construct and and look what dan patrick has built and here's pat mcafee who leaves the nfl he wants to put out content he grows this audience and now he's getting 30 million dollars a year so for people that don't know what was his background he was a punter in the NFL. Right. And so he did that. And then how did he get on the media side and how did this all start? He started doing it himself. He like, was with Barstool for a little bit. So was he doing it when he was playing too? Like they use him as a guest and they found out, oh, this guy's glib. He's good. He's got connections. He was always media friendly. Yeah. yeah. I think he was just one of those social media. He know, was all over it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, sometimes they bring those people on and they kind of transition to that side of things. So. so does Aaron Rodgers get a cut of this? 
because Aaron Rodgers is on weekly, and then that's when he had the big uh, talk about what he was doing to be inoculated. <laughs> inoculated. Isn't that what you call it? Well, is that what you call it, Randy? When immunized. 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 I would imagine that Aaron Rodgers joining Pat McAfee weekly hasn't hurt right. him in these negotiations when he's yeah. in the headlines all of the time. No question. To be able to get um, a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, who doesn't say a lot, to come out and be very honest on his show. I'm, I'm sure that was used in these discussions. Okay. Randy's kind of sitting out. You're killing me, Smalls. What's you your problem? You told me to sit this one out. No, just about to talk of when uh, you were talking about how great you are in the fight. You can jump in at any point in time now, Randall. Okay. I, I was just listening. I was following your orders, man. Well, I have some sad news, but it's You're about death. Me, so Randy will want to talk about this one. Who's it about? It's about death, unfortunately. Oh. There's some really, really sad news coming out of the NFL. Former Broncos wide receiver Demarius Thomas has passed away at age 33. According to the Roswell, Georgia police, he was found deceased in his home and preliminary reports indicated that his death might have resulted from a medical issue and one of his family members told the Associated Press that they believed that he passed away from a seizure but Demarius mm. Thomas obviously a force in the NFL for a while and it's really sad news such a young young age yeah 33 was going to be 34 on Christmas Day Peyton Manning tweeting that he's a Hall of Fame player and even better as a person so I think really his sadness. I think his mother was incarcerated at one point mm-hmm. and um that was I, I correct me if I'm wrong. You guys are no Randy. I, of course, is gonna know. Wasn't he the one that caught the pass from Tebow when it they was. won a playoff yes. game yep. with Denver? Yeah, beat Pittsburgh. Really sad. Yeah, the the biggest Tim Tebow touchdown pass of his career. Yep. So, thanks, Michelle. You're welcome. Coming up, Alexa Dat is going to join Danny Mac with Bally Sports. Coming up in the near future, the former MLB Network and NHL Network. Broadcaster will join us next on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Michelle Smallman, Dan McLaughlin, Randy Character, great to have you with us on 101 ESPN. We always like to welcome new members of the St. Louis media to town. And Alexa Datt makes her way from Secaucus, New Jersey and MLB Network, NHL Network to Bally Sports, where she's going to be covering the Blues and the Cardinals in 2022 and beyond. And Alexa is with us now on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Alexa, this is Randy Carricker. Thanks so much for taking some time with us this morning and welcome to St. Louis. Thank y'all. Good morning. Happy Friday. How's it going? We're doing great, Alexa. Welcome to St. Louis. Um, we're all excited to welcome you to the media scene here. So tell us, how did you go from MLB Network to wanting to come to St. Louis and cover the Cardinals and Blues? Yeah, I had a blast at MLB Network. I was there for five plus years, got to do a lot of different things from, you know, covering All-Star Games to World Series to drafts. And when this opportunity came across, I was basically – thrown back into my regional sports network days, which I worked at before uh, network where I was down in DC and also in New York. And I had a blast at those regional sports networks because you really get to be ingrained with the team, which to me is one of the best parts about covering sports is the fact that you get to know these players, you get to tell their stories. Um, And St. Louis, I mean, what an incredible sports town. I've been here for less than a month. And the dedication that these fans have to their sports teams, I don't think I've seen it anywhere else. It's pretty, it's pretty amazing. So you worked with uh, Keith Hernandez, huh? And you can live to talk about it? 
<laughs> I can. He's yeah. the best. I love Keith, Keith Hernandez. Keith is great. He's got stories for days. Some you can tell on the air, some you can't. <laughs> um, but yeah, Keith is like a crazy uncle, but yeah. he's always got something fun and, and he loves his cat. He's obsessed with his cat, which I find so endearing. And Alexa, I was texting with Greg Amzinger. He's a, a friend of the show and obviously grew up here, went to, to school here. And he was telling me how wonderful you are. So I guess you learned a lot about the St. Louis sports scene from Greg, too. I did. And Greg's a superstar at MLB Network, one of the best. And, yeah, he was one of the first people I went to. And I said, you know, what's going on at St. Louis? And, you know, is it a great place to go? And, and he gave you guys raving reviews. So he was definitely um, one of the reasons why I'm here and, you know, all of my recommendations for restaurants and local places to hit up mostly are coming from Greg so far. Yeah. Well, he won't steer you wrong, Alexa. That's for sure. So tell fans when they can start seeing you, what's your role going to be like and what's your schedule going to look like? So I'm hopping on the pre and post for the blues this weekend with Bernie Federico, the hall of famer. So excited to work with him. What a sweetheart, by the way, my gosh. And just a, a hockey encyclopedia, of course, uh, as a hall of famer, but um a great guy. So I'll be doing that this weekend. And then going forward, you'll see me, you know, with the blues. And then when the Cardinals get underway, I'll be with the Cardinals as well. What's your favorite sport? I'd say both baseball and hockey. I'd say it's one, one a, as I kind of move along the line, but you know, I started when I grew up being a huge baseball fan because I'm from DC. I grew up an Orioles fan watching, you know, Ripken and Palmero and all those guys. And then, the Nationals came to town. I was a huge Nationals fan. And then I went to cover hockey, and Alex Ovechkin showed up. And so that had been a blast. And then I went to New York, and baseball and hockey are huge there as well. Um, and then so it was just a perfect fit to work, you know, on a national level for both of those sports. Um, so it kind of trades off and on. But the best part is they're, they're not, they don't compete, really. You know, they're, they're different seasons. So I can be a sports fan all year long. Alexa, I have I have a good friend who grew up as an Orioles fan like you and is so disappointed by what they've seen over the last decade. How do you look at that? The, the former St. Louis Browns, by the way. But how do you look at the Orioles these days? Yeah, it's a little tough for that fan base, for sure. But Mike Elias came from the Astros, and I think he's got a plan for them, building up the farm system and getting that team back to where they were. It's always going to be hard to, you know, live down the days of, of their glory with Cal Ripken Jr. and how much he means to that city, and he always will. But, um, you know, baseball teams nowadays, the turnaround is much quicker in terms of how they get back to being playoff contenders, and I feel like the Orioles are getting there, and they, they'll be right on the cusp in the coming years. Alexa, you've obviously gotten to do a lot of great things in your career so far, cover a lot of amazing stories, put out a lot of great content. What's your favorite thing that you've been able to do thus far? I got two. I think covering the World Series in New York was pretty cool when the Mets hosted. And I actually wasn't even really a member of the media, particularly at the time, but I was doing in-stadium hosting, which was an absolute blast. I got to connect with all the fans. If I could do that job for the rest of my life, I would. But I feel like there's like an age limit that you can kind <laughs> right. of reach at some point where they're like, okay, we, you've aged out of this. It's time for you to go. Um, but I just I had an absolute blast doing that and connecting with all the fans during the game. And then my podcast, where it's called That's What She Said with Danny, my girl Danny Wexelman, who I know you guys know well. Mm -hmm. um, and I have players come on, and they just have an absolute, like, ball of a time telling us their most embarrassing, most hilarious stories on and off the field. At the end of every podcast, I actually make them tell us their most embarrassing moment. And some of them 
are, I mean, these guys are outrageous. They go into such detail that I'm like, you know that we're sharing this with like thousands of people, right? And they're like, no, 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 we love it. We want to put this out. Um, so yeah, it's great being able to connect and, and tell these guys stories. Uh, did you work with Darren Pang as well at uh, NHL Network? I did. How lucky was I? Oh, yeah. And how did that go? Yeah. Fantastic. Panger yeah. is an absolute gem. Yeah, it was a mini reunion when I walked into the uh, the Blue Room there at Enterprise Center and, and saw him and gave him a big hug. So, yeah, he was an absolute, uh, you know, amazing human to work with at NHL Network. Kind of took me under his wing. He's like, anything you need to know, I'm, I'm here to help. Um, and now that I'm in St. Louis, he's done the exact same. Well, Alexa, it's great to have you with us here on 101 ESPN. We welcome you to town. We can't wait to see you and your work this weekend and over the years to come. We're really excited about it, and thank you very much for taking some time with us. Well, thanks for welcoming me, and have a great Friday. You too. Take care. That's Alexa Dat. You'll see her this weekend, tomorrow night, Blues and Canadians on Bally Sports, or with Bernie Federico. I feel like we should have warned her about Dan. No kidding. We missed our opportunity there. Oh, I'm sure she's been warned. (laughs) Absolutely. About yeah. your your greatness and oh yeah yeah, yeah. right warn her about all the make, fun she's gonna have that's right just, you know make everything so yeah. tough on everybody <laughs> hey a couple of notes for you tomorrow you can join Michelle at Copperfire in Belleville from four to six before the Blues game come out before the game enjoy sixteen drought taps all served ice cold and Michelle they have this specialty slushy that I hear of it's called the Gloria cocktail slushy Randy it's absolutely delicious if you're watching the Blues drink a Gloria cocktail slushy so do that tomorrow. Four to six with Michelle at Copper Fire. Then stick around and watch the game. Get more details at 101ESPN.com. And, oh, by the way, just a few days left to get your Character and Smallman 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser support going. It supports Operation Food Search. Donate 25 bucks online between now and Monday, and you'll receive a complimentary Blues 101 ESPN T-Shirt, which is great, great to either wear around the community or work out with. You also get a koozie and a sticker as a gift for your donation. So you score all of that, and your $25 donation helps Operation Food Search serve the metro area during this critical time of year. Thanks to our presenting sponsors of this year's 12 Days of T-Shirts campaign, American Standard Heating and Cooling Contractors, and McBride Homes. A special thank you today to McBride Homes for making a donation match of $500 to the 12 Days of T-Shirts fundraiser. Find all the details on this year's fundraiser now at 101 ESPN.com. Next up, we're going to cross things over with Dan as we head towards the top of the hour and the Danny Mac Show on 101 ESPN. We're right back to the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover on 101 ESPN. Danny Mac, the scoop on what's happening with the Danny Mac show. A little bit of give and take. There's more give and take, Randy. Okay. It's a collaboration. You know, it's not all about collab. You know, you coming in here and telling everybody else what we're going to do. We actually collaborate for the hour and work as a team. Andrew Marsh is here. Andrew Marsh sent out a show plan last night. Andrew Marsh, did you hear back from me once you sent out that show plan? Other than it saying, great. That was it. Yeah, that's our collab. Mm-hmm. He does his job. I do mine. Understood. I follow his instructions. I I, I get it, Randy. I, I get it. Uh, Jim, Am I wrong, Michelle? No. As someone that produced for Randy, you tell him what to do, and he'll do it. Yeah, I read everything. Yeah, everything. Well, you've been there. You have been 
a producer. You understand what goes into that. It's a lot of work, a lot of hours, a lot of late nights and early mornings. And, uh, you know, it's a collaboration, baby. I also like to provide Mm -hmm. that ability to grow. I I don't want to, unless it was you telling you that uh, don't go get Mark Sauer. Or throwing a card at me. Yeah, that happened. (laughs) I don't want my producers to think that they're overwhelmed by me because I have had bad producers where you do essentially have to produce your own show, a little inside radio here. And that takes a lot of time. I like my producers to, to blossom, to grow and to feel like they are not only a part of the show, but the driving force in the show. I'm going to interject here. I think it more, what you're saying is about, um, yeah, you letting people grow is ma- is basically saying you want more time on the golf course. Well, kind of. Okay, but Let's it's just not be that I don't want to work. I do. I, I just if people are smart and do the right things the right way, like Michelle, like Andrew, uh, I I love to see that happen. Okay. If Randy trusts you, he lets oh, yeah. you drive the bus. Yep. But Randy does this. I do this. If you trust a producer, you'll run Burgundy anything. If they oh, hand you sure. a sheet, you'll read it and you won't even know what it says because you're like, you're really good at your job. I trust that you're handing me this. And as a producer, I had to learn that, that I better make sure if I hand Randy a sheet of paper that it's not missing a word in the sentence That's right. because he trusts me. So he's going to read it. Like Susan. Like Susan. Susan. <laughs> we don't have teleprompter. And, Susan uh, is great. For our sports broadcasts on television. So I don't, I don't, thankfully, I haven't, I don't think I've run Burgundy yet, but you never know. It could happen. Oh, you, you've never used a prompter. I've used a prompter on like, if it was like a long, really, really long show that we're putting together and you're on camera for, you know, minutes at a time kind of thing. But in terms of the broadcast, no, you're live. They just say go and you just, you let it rip. Wouldn't you almost prefer it that way? I do. Because we don't use yeah. a prompter here, obviously. No, no. I, I'd rather just whatever comes to mind, and you got people in your ear, and you got the guy next to you, the people next to you, and you're trying to figure it all out. The uh, late, great Chris Duncan really appreciated that, that you would walk in and just have a baseball conversation rather than work off the teleprompter. Yeah. I, I To me, that's your if you go into the booth or you go in sitting in the seat, now you're not going to know everything, especially in talk radio because you go in so many different um avenues but your preparation is done by visiting with the manager the coach the players the other broadcasters so you should be able to go in there and the guy sitting next to you that's played the game he's the expert so tee him up let them uh explain what the hell's going on yeah your point guard yeah that's how you do it that's what anthony stalter does a great job of in our afternoon show because he's got the two athletes that have the credibility that have been in locker rooms and dressing rooms and so what you do is to tee those guys up and let them tell the story and anthony's terrific at that it's a fine line those that work next to you too of how far can you talk about um you know because a lot of times these guys are just out of the game and and some of their best friends are still in uniform Mm -hmm. and there's just there's only so far you can go i mean you're trying to explain it to the audience and you have a responsibility to do that and through the game you can do that like hey maybe you're, you're looking for this pitch or he needs to be positioned over here that's the game but when you get into the personal stuff um, I've always felt there's certain things that are just that that's off limits and you don't bring it up and, um, you know, you, you tell their story, but there, there's sometimes there's a limit to how much you should tell. I'm sure you've been in this position, Dan, you have a lot of time to fill. You have a whole game yeah. to fill. We got about three and a half hours. That's, it's a lot. 
And what people don't understand is that, obviously, with a game, you're not going to be working off a prompter because you're talking about what you're seeing. You're relaying that information. But you work with so many different people, and you've brought in along so many different people. You've probably been in a situation where you say something, and they give you a short answer. And then you, oh, have, yeah. you have to fill a lot of that time, and there's there's no net there to catch you. For sure. When guys are first starting, you, you say, okay, we're going to talk about uh, Randy Carricker and he's... Uh, Nine for his last fifteen. He's 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 playing well. Uh, what have you seen? And you may have a guy that just got into it. Well, he's he's seeing the ball well, right? But what are you seeing? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. what are you as a guy that's been in that seat? What is he doing well? Oh, you know, you just yeah. you people just don't realize though how hard that is and yep. how good Dan is at doing stuff like that. And sometimes you have people that are just naturals, like Brad Thompson. Yes. Uh, Rick Venturi was one of those guys, just an absolute natural. DeMarco. Some guys are just, they, they gave talkers. one or two word answers during their career. Other guys, and, and uh, yeah, you don't, you don't get much out of them. You have to extract it from them. When I first started, I was scared out of my mind. I was 23 doing a major league game. And um, so I always tell this story. The first major league game I did, they said, hey, we want Joe Buck to be in the booth with you. And, and Al, I said, great. And I flew from Vancouver all the way down to Jupiter. I was with the Blues, and uh, and Joe started talking about A.J. Burnett's nipple rings. And so <laughs> it was his way of just kind of like, he's like, hey, Dan. And I was like, yeah, Joe. And he's like, how about this A.J. Burnett? You know, I go, yeah, really high, highly thought of prospect. And, you know, he's done this, that, and the other. I'm just trying to stay buttoned up, stay in the game, you know. He's like, what do you think of his nipple rings? <laughs> and I said, well, leave it to you, Joe, to bring that up and break me in. Thank you. Um, I said, I really don't have an opinion, but to each their own. But that was his way of doing mm-hmm. it. And then my first regular season game, after like one inning, I had to go out because I was uh, hyperventilating. <laughs> it's the only time it's ever happened to me. Take a deep breath. Yep. I had to take a deep breath, uh, hyperventilating, and then went back in. And so all good. Here we are a quarter century later. What is your true opinion of A.J. Burnett's nipple rings? Yeah. Well, they're just fascinating. You know, I if I could get into it, I would, you know, would ask him, like, is it chain to chain? You know what I mean? Is it circle? Uh-huh. Are you going to have a chain on it? You know, was it painful? Right, right. Um, what, it just feels painful, doesn't it? It looks painful. Um, yeah. What what made you want to get said nipple rings? I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's something in the family that drove him there. I don't know. And then you go down that, you know, well, tell me about the family. Mm-hmm. You know, what made you do it? I wonder if they do hurt. When you get them installed. I can't imagine it feels great. I wonder if they Novocaine you up, though, or something like that. You ever had so. your ear pierced, Randy? No. You want to? No. Should we put that on the wheel? Yeah. I mean, you need to get like a Barry Bonds dangling that earring. That ain't happening. You got a tat. Or maybe, a, yeah, you know. Get At least the, an earring close up. Yeah, what do you call the, it, if Michelle? The, hoop? Yeah. A hoop, yeah. Yeah, get a hoop. Yeah. If the Blues Love win five hoop. Stanley Cups in a row, I will get a hoop. Five in a row? Yeah. <laughs> Don't really? tempt, don't tempt the hockey gods, right? Five, yeah. five in a row. You've tempted those hockey gods, and now look at the back. I know, the right shoulder, right, big old cup tat. How about this? If they win five in a row and you get a hoop, Dan and I get to select the hoop. Okay, that's good. Yeah, five. I don't, I don't want a little a Michael Jordan hoop. I want a big how about, pirate hoop. Okay. How about not even in a row? So we got one down. So let's Ooh, get four five, more. Five in a row. No, no. I think just four. <laughs> well. Then you have to find a bet with somebody else. Come on, Randall. Nope. Five in a row. All right. Five so, in a row could do that. Bennington could... and Butchnevich, the gauntlet has been laid down for you guys. Hey, but the way this team is playing right now without their, their you know, 
number one players, big name players, highly yeah. paid players. Who knows what this team might do when they get healthy? David Perron skating. Yeah, All right. he was on the ice yesterday. Hashtag LGB. Now, if the Blues win the Stanley Cup this season, we're going to be like four more, and Randy gets a hoop. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Hoop it up. Yeah. Tomorrow, <laughs> I will have the pregame for the Blues. Are you nervous? I'm really nervous. What do you got planned? Perry Turnbull. Perry Turnbull is going to be on. Former Montreal uh-huh. Canadian. Uh, it won't be much different than what the great Alex Ferrario does before a Blues game. I'm just going to take his template and run with it. Are you? Uh, do you have to do the post game too? Then I do. And is that at uh, OB Clark's? We will be over at Enterprise Center. We'll be in the booth at Enterprise Center. Okay. So looking forward to that, working with Curbs and Joey. That's always fun. Congratulations, by the way, to Brandon Kylie and uh, Kara, his bride-to-be. They're getting married tomorrow. Looking forward to it. Should be fun night. Yeah. Yeah. Should be a great day here in St. Louis. Our producer engineer, Andrew By the way, Marsh. I, have, I have Jim Cott coming up. Oh, Kitty. Yeah. Good. Okay. Jim Cott. But never, you normally that's the first thing you asked me. You didn't even ask me. We you, went down you told to us about rings. a collaboration that you were having. Oh, you that's didn't true. Tell us what the <laughs> finality of the collaboration <laughs> was. The finality <laughs> is Jim Cott. Collaboration okay. to nipple rings. Yes. So you never know where you As I said, you can't go off a prompter. You got to go down all these different <laughs> roads. So Kitty used to say that the key to his longevity, and I want you to ask him about this. Well, it's a pre-recorded interview. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he said the key to his longevity was bicycles and bananas. He rode his bike all the time and ate a lot of bananas. He said that was why he was able to last as long as he did, pitching into his mid-40s. You know, I think it was 25 years, almost 280 wins, 16 gold gloves, three all-star appearances, world championship with the Cardinals in 82, and Mm -hmm. it it took till he was 82 to get into the Hall of Fame. And all the years that he had broadcast. I mean, he was one of the the top broadcasters and still is in the game. And... uh, It's long overdue to see him go to the Hall of Fame. And we're looking forward to the interview. Andrew Marsh, have fun this weekend in Nishville. I will, I will. Be careful driving in the fog. There's a fog warning in Creve Corps right now. Just got that on my phone, yeah. Your golf game's going to be short-changed today. No, this is perfect for me because I can't see when, like, long hitters, they wouldn't be able to see the ball today. I, I can Short hitters have no problem with fog. That's what I, when I interviewed Jack Nicholas uh, this past summer, it was a line like that. He's like, well, now I can actually see where the ball goes. Yeah. I said, when you, when you, when you play, I said, you still play? He goes, I don't like to play a lot, but I'll get out there every once in a while. And now when I tee off, I actually can see where it lands. (laughs) (laughs) It is. So, um, by the way, too, uh, if it's, you know, foggy out, just go over to Family Golf and Learning Center. You should do that. Great play. Good idea. Trackman Simulator. Yep. Yeah. Okay, good. Michelle, have a fun weekend, and uh, folks will see you tomorrow at Copper Fire. That's right, from 4 to 6. Come hang out. In Belleville. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That was the Carriker and Smallman Podcast on 101 ESPN.